The Game the System podcast is proudly sponsored by 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen, located at 22 King Street, Newtown. You can also visit their website at 1989.com.au. Hi, John. Hi, Mark. John, do you like food? I do like food. Do you love classic arcade games? I love classic arcade games. Do you like to partake in the consumption of an adult beverage or two? I love to. Well, you can enjoy all three at the same time at Sydney's only bar arcade, 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen. What? Yes, that's right. Nowhere else in Australia's largest city can you find classic arcade games like Space Invaders, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Double Dragon, Street Fighter 2, Mortal Kombat Plus, many more, and eat awesome food, enjoy some craft brews, and all in the company of like-minded retro arcade and console game fans. That's inconceivable. Yes, it is inconceivable, John. (laughs) So stop your blabbering and get on clamouring to 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen at 22 King Street, Newtown. Check out their lineup of games, food and beers at 1989.com.au and facebook.com slash 1989arcadebar. Don't just take our word for it. Matt, what do you reckon? It's good. Sold! So I started watching this show called Game Center CX. Have you heard of that? Do you know it, Mark? No. I just know the CX domain name is something else. Oh, okay. You know Goatsy? (laughs) <laughs> yes mm, that's the that's the website that made the CX domain name famous okay well it's not anything right? to do that's with that one, yeah, it? yeah 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 it's not anything to do with that mm. something I saw on Twitter from um Brian Spacey's guy mm-hmm. um he was just randomly talking about it oh cause he was in Japan and he saw something to do with it anyway it's a Japanese TV show, and it's just, it's basically like an early form of a let's play kind of thing, I guess you could call it. The guy basically plays games. He'll choose a game, and they call it, what's his name? Arino? I think his name is, it's, I think it's A I R N O. Arino? Yeah. So he'll choose a game, and I think it was like 2000s, and he was playing like NES games, a lot of NES games, and just other older games so that it was like retro focused and it's been going for ages i think there's like 15 seasons it's still going is it i don't know i'm asking it, oh i don't know i don't know if it's I still knew about it back then but yeah i'm not sure if it's still going but there's a lot of it anyway but not all of it's got um english subs and so there's random bits on youtube that you can watch but and he, he's not like particularly a particularly good gamer but he's very persistent, <laughs> and he's he's pretty funny too. I guess you could call say he's funny. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure you lose a lot of the humor in the translation from Japanese to English, but um, yeah, he what, is basic, it subtitles or yeah, subtitles. All oh, right, he just basically tries to finish the game, and I think he tries to do it within 24 hours or something like that, or a day. Um, and he has, they call him ADs, I think it's assistant director or something like that, um, that will come and give him help if he needs help, like if he gets stuck. Hmm. They might give him tips or like play a little bit that's for him, like they might play one life just to get past the hard part or 
something like that, or even cheat codes, apparently. Hmm. But um, yeah, funny, funny show. Hmm. There's also a game. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, with the same name as the show. Mm-hmm. And maybe a different Game Center CX, but there might be an English okay. spin on the name, like Retro Game Challenge or something. Oh, okay. Hmm. All right. And basically, I haven't played it, but as I understand, you get the game and it'll make you do a few challenges, like mm. do this thing in one life or... Yeah, right. Okay. Like goals, like achievements for the old games. Yep. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. I might actually check that out. It's definitely worth watching. I watched him play Sonic, the first Sonic, on Mega Drive. That's pretty easy to finish. Um, it definitely gets hard. Mm. It does get hard. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, like I said, he's not like an amazing video game player or anything. <laughs> it just reminded me of how much the water levels are really annoying. Like the one of the the boss battle on the water level, you have to you're jumping like out of the water, or the water slowly rising as you're jumping up through all these blocks, and it gets harder and harder. There's spikes that come out hmm. sideways. That's and when you're chasing him, isn't it? Yeah, you're chasing yeah. robot Eggman. Yeah, Eggman in his little flying doobie. What's it? Hmm. Um, and then there's the statues that shoot little fireballs across. Mm-hmm. And so you end up having a time between the side spikes that pop out and the statues. But then you also have to be quick because the water's rising mm. and you can't get air yep. at any point. Um, so definitely challenging. Mm. And I don't know if it's challenging in a good way. <laughs> I, I remember it being, it being annoying. And when I was watching him, it looked annoying. <laughs> But uh, he did it. But yeah, it was funny. Hmm. Cool. Would recommend. Right. If you're interested. I am interested. Yeah. I think I might check it out. Cool. Mm. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to Game the System Podcast episode 12. It is 12, right? Yeah. After 12? Yeah. <laughs> Matt's looking at his phone. <laughs> A podcast about the people that play retro, arcade, modern, pinball, board games and everything in between. It's the 23rd of June 2018 and my name's Mark Bell. My name's John. My name's Matt. <laughs> and how is everyone? I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Could be better. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, oh, are we all going to lie? Or <laughs> We're all sick, right? Mm. I've had three days off work the last week because I've got a cold slash flu thing going on. So currently runny nose and stuff like that. You, Matt, runny nose. Yeah. Wow, John, you, you had three days. Yes. Here I am feeling bad for having one day off. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's not fun to... Leak all sorts of bodily fluids whilst you're on a train for an hour. A packed train. Yeah, I wouldn't mm. want to be doing that. No. And you feel like you can't blow your nose because mm-hmm. there's all people around you. Yep. And, and you can't cough. Mm. Meanwhile, there's heaps of people that do. They're yep. fine with coughing and, you know, shit hitting other people's faces. And There's people doing shits in the middle <laughs> of the train? <laughs> on Whoa. some occasions, yes. <laughs> I haven't seen it myself, but apparently it happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't want to be that guy, right? No. That everyone's looking at going, yeah. 
I've got important meetings. I've got a wedding on mm. the weekend, and this asshole is going to make yeah. me sick. So yeah, you know, like like when you're sitting on the train and you you're facing obviously away from the p- person that's sitting behind you, and you hear a cough or a sneeze is the yep. worst, and yep. you just you can feel the disease like <laughs> on your back. <laughs> and you're hoping no gobs have sort of flown and hit at the back of your head or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so we're all under the weather, so to speak. But mm-hmm. we're here anyway because that's how dedicated we are to this podcast. <laughs> 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 Don't laugh, John. It's true. <laughs> um, read a feedback. Mm. Okay. Did we get anything? A couple. Cool. Actually, I've been super lazy. Um, I haven't really you looked. Son of a bitch. I know. Looked back into the, see what sort of feedback we've been getting. I'm completely unprepared for this podcast, but we've done the best that we could. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Kong, Kong, Captain Kong. Cap- that's really hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Kong on Twitter says, "Great cast, guys. Thank mm. you very much." And his confession is that he has never played any of those beat 'em ups we mentioned in the last podcast. What? None of them. And so now he needs to educate None. himself. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how this is possible. He said the only beat him up he'd played is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Much to my dismay. <laughs> it is a good game. But still, I don't understand how it's possible not to have played any of those games. Well, I think, like he said, because I was talking to him about it later, he said it was just in every arcade. It TMNT. was always there. And, so yeah. and he liked Turtles, so, hmm. you know... It's the the pull of the IP itself, mm, mm. and um, which is reasonable. But mm. yeah, I think yeah that's the reason why I get frustrated because I'm like, oh, there's so many other better ones mm. to play. But, but he's uh, you know into Sega and yeah, retro consoles and all that. So he's never played Streets of Rage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I times. don't know. I don't know what he's doing with his life. <laughs> <laughs> But you can turn that into a positive. How exciting is it that he's got all that potential just waiting for yeah. him to get stuck into it? Yeah, he should just go straight to remake, though, honestly. <laughs> uh, Streets of Rage 2. It's I mean, essentially... You can't go wrong. Yeah. Double Dragon, for <clears throat> instance. Um, I would is mention. that a harder one to go to if you've never played it before? Probably. Well, I can tell you from the someone who didn't really play it before... Okay, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to offend anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'd almost recommend Final Fight Final as Fight's, a starter yeah. sort of beat em up. It's easy to get into. You just walk up mm. and punch people in the face. Yeah. There is something about that game, and I know I didn't score it very high in our beat em ups thing because I was trying to like critically analyze, but it really just has that, the classic, I mean, beat em up. I don't know. I get that nostalgic feeling playing it. Like mm. the continue screen yeah. where, you know, you see them strapped with the dynamite mm-hmm. and when you continue, the little dagger comes down and, like, cuts Chops the rope. Chops the fuse off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, the the music, the sound is just awesome. The graphics are really mm. good. They still stand up now. Mm. And it's easy enough to get into. Like I said, you just press the punch button and punch people in the face. Preferably, preferably with a friend. Mm-hmm. But it's also deep enough to have a lot of fun with later mm-hmm. once you start getting into it. We are recording, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Carrie on Twitter says, so Double Dragon is the number one beat-em-up from me. Mm-hmm. Streets of Rage Remake is the number one beat-em-up. What about Streets of Rage Remake with a Double Dragon mod? And then mm. links to a Streets of Rage Remake version that has a Double Dragon mod. So you're playing in mm-hmm. the Double Dragon oh. stages. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if there's characters from the Double Dragon game, but the screenshots that Carrie showed had the Streets of Rage characters in the Double Dragon stages. Mm. And it looks awesome. Mm. I need to play that. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be... I don't know if it's... I only recently found out that there's a whole community around um, remaking Sonic games, which is how Sonic Mania came about. Mm. But it seems like there's a similar thing for Streets of Rage because when you download the Streets of Rage remake, it comes with something called SOR Maker, as in Streets of Rage Maker. And so you must be able to put your own levels together if you're so inclined Mm. slash dedicated. Mm. Mm. And include levels from the best beat-em-up of all time. Double Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, News. We've only got one. And again, Mm. I've kind of been lazy. I haven't sort of researched too much. Also sick and busy, Mm. all that kind of stuff. But excuses, excuses. And as I keep saying, E3 happened. Mm. And I wouldn't call it news. I'd call it hype. Mm. Hence, no news. Mm. (laughs) And I'm kind of like you, John, where... I get excited by a game being available. You mm. can play it. Mm. I don't particularly get excited about games being announced. Yep. And E3 is all about announcements, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, so I did hear about another Forza Horizon being announced, Forza Horizon 5, I think. Mm-hmm. I like that series, but again, I'm not so into them that I'm getting excited by it or anything mm. like that. So mm. I'll check it out when it comes out. Yeah. And there was no news about Bayonetta 3. So that was disappointing. I would have liked to have heard something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was announced at E3, mm-hmm. Skyskipper, the long-lost arcade game made in 1981 by Nintendo, is being released on the Switch eShop in July. Mm-hmm. So this arcade game only ever saw some prototype machines out in the wild, which were quickly repurposed and converted to Nintendo's Popeye. I think the idea was that Nintendo put Skyskipper out on location, maybe, or testing, and it didn't fare so well. So they just scrapped it, turned them all into Popeyes. Um, so it was only in the last year or so that the arcade enthusiast Whitney Roberts from the Broken Token podcast and Alex Crowley from the YouTube channel Nintendo Arcade, they found an original PC board of Skyskipper and deconverted it back into a Skyskipper from Popeye. And then this whole big project started around it of trying to recreate the actual arcade machine. And the only one that still was in existence in the world was at Nintendo headquarters in the USA. And Nintendo actually invited them out. They scanned all the artwork um, and then reproduced it and actually created, I think, two or three, maybe just two actual Skyskipper arcade cabs, reproductions. Um that's pretty cool and if you want more information about that particular project you can go to skyskipperproject.com but yes in Mm. addition to that Nintendo has now announced that Skyskipper the game is going to be available for everyone to play so that's really cool on the digital store or yeah okay yep interesting Mm. and it looks I mean 
you know, I'm not so much into Nintendo games myself, but it looks like a pretty cool game. Mm. The artwork is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the arcade cab artwork is drawn by Shigeru Miyamoto. Is that how you say his name? I don't know. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, though, right? No. <laughs> We're going to get roasted. He's the guy who made Mario. Oh. Okay. Miyamoto. 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 Oh, that's, tomato, that's tomato. <laughs> okay. Tomato, tomato. Yes, we know this one. person. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't tend to pay attention to that sort of thing. Like, mm. I, just, I just play the games. Excuses. <laughs> Excuses. Anyway, so that's cool. Cool. Hmm. A long-lost Nintendo game released to the wild mm-hmm. for people to play. Yeah, so we just came back from playing Iron Maiden Pinball. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, maybe it's been out for a little while now, but for us Australians, it's reasonably new. I think it's only landed in Australia in the last probably three to four weeks. Mm. And this one arrived just over a week ago at yeah. that pub. Yep, at the Lansdowne, mm-hmm. which is conveniently just a little bit up the road from where we're recording at the moment. Yep. And yes, it was all... All of us, our first experience with Iron Maiden pinball mm-hmm. machine. Yeah. Yep. So, what did we think? <laughs> Do you want to say something, or should I um, say what I think? I mean, it didn't blow me away, but I only played two games and hmm. don't know the rules really. Hmm. Yeah, it's okay. hard to evaluate a game without knowing really what you're doing. Hmm. I mean, someone—I can't remember who it was. Someone once said, "If you don't." If you're playing a pinball machine and you don't like it, learn the rules to the game and see what happens. And inevitably, once people learn the rules, they start to like the game. Mm. So, you, I mean, Maybe. you may may or may not agree with that, but... I probably don't agree with that. Well, I but I think... I think it can help. I think it's still uh, a, um, a valuable idea. Mm. So, you know, the idea being that you can't evaluate a game properly until you actually know the rules to mm. the game. And if you think about every game that you dislike um, and whether or not how well you know the rules for that game, I know when I did, I thought, yeah, they're all games that I don't really know what I'm doing on. <laughs> mm. So. Mm. No, I... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I kind of know when I like a game when I start playing it, because mm-hmm. I just, f- I enjoy making the shots, mm-hmm. and sometimes to the reverse of of what you mentioned, once I know the rules, I stop liking the game mm. because I'm trying to do things that I don't like trying to do. Mm. There's probably a couple That's of examples if I had time to think about it, but. Mm. There are some games where once I get really into the rules and this is what you need to do here and do this and that and, 
you know, if you're not progressing through the, the certain rules in a particular situation, then you're going to lose because it's all very rules-based. Mm-hmm. Whereas I just, I enjoy just playing the game mm-hmm. and and shooting satisfying shots. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I think both examples are probably valid. Mm. It depends on your own personal preference, I guess. Mm. And uh, Yeah, I mean, that does make sense to me too. I think sometimes it, it does take from knowing the rules can take away from the natural um, enjoyment of just shooting shots and, and enjoying the flow of a game. Mm. And so it depends, I guess, on how you enjoy playing games, mm. uh, I suppose. Um, and I think Metallica is a good example of that for me, mm-hmm. where I really, really, really enjoyed that game when you were sort of just when I was sort of just bashing about having fun starting the um, electric chair multi ball, mm-hmm. the um, grave marker multi ball, and things like that. Then, as further code releases came along and tr- introduced more complex rules, I didn't enjoy the game as much because then suddenly I'm going for things that I'm just not enjoying going for, mm. and I think. Uh, is it Crank It Up, the one yep. of the sort of mini wizard modes or whatever it is? Yep. Uh, so qualifying that and then shooting into the hole to start it, <laughs> as John almost gets totaled by his microphone, um, <laughs> and then starting it and then you're playing a very high-stakes, single-ball, high-scoring mode. Mm-hmm. I just don't find that enjoyable. I enjoyed just starting the multi-ball modes and, you know, shooting the shots. That's interesting. I I love that. Mm. I actually really like that. Like, Mm. A lot of people like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to me being strange, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I mean, no one can predict the things that I like or dislike. But, yeah, I just... Pinball machines, I don't like them when they get too rules heavy. Yeah. And that's one danger that I actually noticed with Iron Maiden in that when I was playing that game, mm. I was loving it. Mm. Really, really enjoying it. I was surprised at how much I liked it. Yep. And then thinking, watching a few videos online of Keith Elwin explaining the rules, yep. it's incredibly deep and complex. Yep. And as soon as that's put in a competition scenario... Mm. And I need to be going for these advanced things to stay competitive. I'm yep. probably not going to like it as much. Yeah. Whereas when we were brand new to the game and I was just shooting stuff and, you know, that left ramp through the pops was mm. super satisfying yeah. in that and mm. the inner loops and the, the orbits that are really yeah. tight, just fun to shoot. Yeah. And it felt like every single place that I just wanted to throw the ball mm. was a satisfying place to put the ball. Yep as opposed to hitting a post and going to an out lane or something yep. like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I was really, really enjoying it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed playing it too. And I think that, you know, because of the deep rules, I'm sure the scores we were getting today were nothing compared yeah, to that's right. what's possible when you're, you know, at the at a high level mm. when you know the rules. Mm. And, yeah, I, I agree with you about the rules getting too complicated. And I think that... Um, you know, that's a kind of a, just a result of, you know, games being more aimed towards the home collector market mm. and them wanting to have, like, deeper rule sets so that 
people who have the machine in their house, it takes them longer to master the game. Mm. Um, and it, and in a way, I suppose it's moving away from that arcade-style experience where, you know, you're um, just playing short games, like, sporadically. Mm. Um, that was another thing that worried me about it. It seemed like it was a very long player. Mm. Where if you're having a game, you're probably going to be playing for a bloody long time. We were having some long games. Yeah. Because once you got it rolling, you have one multi-ball and then you must have been building another multi-ball while that was going. Hmm. And then, you know, as soon as you start another multi-ball, another one starts. And yeah. But again, that's, that's really fun when you're brand new to the game and you're just having fun shooting around. And yeah. So maybe our first experience or my first experience is not a good measure of what the game is going to be. Yep. I mean, I know for a fact, because I was talking to Paul Jones after the the Wollongong Pinball Tournament, he was saying he doesn't like Iron Maiden. Um, his impression is, you know, it's not a great game, and that's because uh, he felt like for an intermediate player, they're going to love the game because they can shoot mm. around and things start and yeah. you actually get some good time on the game. Yeah. Whereas for a really advanced player, it just seems to go on forever. Yeah. And it just gets boring. Mm. And I don't know what that says about me, <laughs> saying <laughs> that I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah. But maybe that is because we're stepping up to the game for the first time and just yeah. shooting around and going, oh, this is actually really fun. We're getting stuff happening. Yes. Yeah. And things are, you know, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it could very well be that. Because, yeah, I felt that too. And I feel like... Um, I mean, that's all well and good for someone like Paul, who's a really good player. But I think that Stern need to make the games easier to make the experience more fun mm. for the general public who yep. walk up and put it, put money in and play. Yep. Yep. You know, and I'm thinking about, you know, when you think about um, Frankie's Pizza in Sydney, I see so many people going there for gigs and stuff and they've got a great collection of pinball machines there. And I know those people are throwing in two bucks playing for two minutes and then probably not feeling like they're getting much out of it. Mm. Um, yeah. And, I mean, some of those games are older, I guess, but I think that, yeah, I, I don't know if there's some way that you can make the game challenging for people that are good at playing but then also forgiving to people who aren't yeah. very good. I mean, and that maybe, might not be a possibility. I don't know. Well, maybe Iron Maiden is it. Yeah. Because um, apparently it is highly regarded amongst, you know, world-class players. I'd put Paul yeah. Jones in, in the category of world-class players, but it's not going to... Not every game is going to connect with every person, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And maybe Keith Elwin, being what many consider the best pinball player in the world, yeah. he's the designer and creator of Iron Maiden yeah. pinball. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, and maybe this will come out over time, he has got that balance right where you can just walk up to the game, shoot the shots, have an enjoyable time, but Mm. in a competitive setting, the rule set is deep enough that you need to know what you're doing to be competitive. Maybe that is the case. But it seems like the shots as well have a scope for a high skill level because of the upper flippers and the upper flipper, both the upper flippers have tight shots mm. so Very from tight shots. the right side you can do the loops 
And if you're good at that's hard to do. Like, mm. and if you're good at that, I'm sure it's rewarding. Um, and then the from the left flipper, there's two different shots you can aim for, and they're both quite tight as well. Yeah. And I think that yeah, it's going to be about hitting the right one at the right time. Mm. And so it seems like yeah, there's a lot of scope there because you know when you're playing a multi ball, if the super jackpots on one of those shots, it's not very easy to do that because. Mm. First of all, you have to hit it round a loop to get it up to the upper flipper, which means that probably the opposite upper flipper is blocking the shot. Mm. So you need to stage it, which is when you're... So you're holding the flipper down, and when you when you hold the flipper, both your lower and your upper on the same side are being held up. Yep. And, you know, in the case of the right side the upper flipper on the right is blocking the loop shot. Um, but if you need to hit that loop, you need to pull the upper flipper down, which you can do by holding the button in halfway, mm. <laughs> which is not easy no, to do. it's really hard. Um, it's an advanced technique. Yeah. But if you're playing multi-ball where you're holding a ball at the bottom on the right side, you need to do that so that you can hit the other ball from the left flipper around and then go to the upper flipper. And if that from the upper flipper shot is a, a super jackpot, hmm. which inevitably you have to go for. You have to master that, which would not be easy at all. Hmm. Hmm. So there is, it. yeah, seems my point is that I think that there is definitely scope on that machine for high skill level play. Yeah, and even the um, the multiple skill shots. So I was having a, a really good time just trying to do one of the, I don't know what it's called, super skill or mega skill shot or whatever where you short plunge and then the ball just creeps over the slingshot on the right you catch the ball live catch or whatever on the right hand side and then shats the ball which is flipping the ball at the very last second before it goes into the trough also known as an alley pass also known as an alley pass over to the other side and then up into the rollover on the in lane on the left and then hits the target, which is above the in-lane to the left, and then it gives you, I think it was a mystery award or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I just really love doing that because mm. it's one of those advanced techniques yep. that is a combination of multiple things, multiple advanced techniques yep. that any ordinary player would never do. Yep. But it's just super fun to try and do that and get something off off the bat. Yep, and it definitely is requires skill as opposed to a lot of the skill shots in these stern games, which is mm. just roll over a target, <laughs> yep, yep. which is not skillful at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I really, really enjoyed it. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we'll see how that plays out over time. In a competitive setting, I might feel completely different. Yeah. But in a social setting, I had a great time. I think, yeah, I guess it will be interesting to find out about the rules and you know how it sometimes the rules can essentially boil down to you know a certain order that you will want to do things in to get the best score mm. and so you know in a few months time it's like the meta of the game almost you know that'll come out and mm. everyone will have a certain way of attacking the game and the well designed games give you options i guess yeah. depending on Multiple how you like to play to yeah yeah so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Iron Maiden in that way, I guess. Mm. 
Yeah, mm. in terms of the artwork, I was kind of underwhelmed. Mm. I mean, I I had seen pictures of the artwork beforehand and felt underwhelmed there, but I did make the the point that seeing it in person will probably be different. But seeing it in person on you know today, I was still underwhelmed. I didn't think it was that great. But I did enjoy listening to one podcast. I can't remember which one it was, but they interviewed the artist for Iron Maiden, and he said um, something around the point where he was very hesitant picking up the job of doing Iron Maiden pinball because no matter what he did, he was going to lose. Mm. There was no way anything he did was going to be to the expectation of yeah. the artwork that the band produces, Yeah, which is a really fantastic point because the mm. artwork that they do is amazing. Yeah. It's like making a Star Wars movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he was very honest to that point. Yeah. And so he said, well, no matter what I do, people aren't going to like it, mm. even though he's a very accomplished artist himself. Yeah. So he decided to go the route of making it more colourful, mm. which is, you know, some people like, some people won't. Mm. And and again, for me personally, I didn't particularly think it was that interesting, but other people will like it. But I do just like his honesty in saying no matter what he did, it wasn't going to be the yeah. expectation. So. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is that our overall thoughts on Iron Maiden? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I'm keen to play some more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's overall feels feels good. And, yeah, excited to play it some more. Mm. I'd like to play the premium slash LE, see how that's different. Mm-hmm. There'll be an LE going into the courthouse hotel probably in about a week and a half mm-hmm. or so. Cool. Yes. So what have we been doing playing, picking up mm-hmm. and stuff? Who wants to go first? I can. Why don't you just? Sure. So I've got a lot more this week than before. Something exciting happened. My little stepbrother, he... Is he little still? No. Not so little anymore? I was trying to avoid saying his age just in case I get it wrong. <laughs> but he's I don't know the age of any of my sisters and brothers. And <laughs> I think he's like 20. Or my parents. Or 21. I don't know, something like mm, that. Okay. Um, so he's still <clears throat> kind of little. So I've, I haven't known him since birth. I've known him since three he's the one who deleted my legacy of kane uh, save on dreamcast yeah, okay. the notorious which, yeah, little stepbrother which destroyed my chances of enjoying that game mm. never finished it mm. i can see in your face you're still bitter to this day oh it hurts me mm. right here and i'm he, tapping my chest point, yeah somewhere not elsewhere <laughs> Yes, but he's, let's say, he slightly redeemed himself randomly. I don't He mustn't have been working that day. He works. He just wasn't working that day. And obviously knows that I like old games and was looking through the Facebook marketplace and found a GameCube. He also found an N64 and a Super Nintendo, and he sent me screenshots of all these. I'm like, uh, the N64 on SNES are overpriced. The GameCube's a good price, though. Hmm. It was 50 bucks. That's a really good price. Yeah, for a game with cube. two controllers. Wow. Yep. Hmm. And I was like, "That's a really good price." And he's like, "Oh, I can go grab it for you. It's only such and such place." And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, I'm not doing anything." 
So he drove out and picked it up, paid for it, brought it back. You, you see what he's doing. Trying to redeem himself? Yeah. <laughs> he still feels that guilt. <laughs> so he should. <laughs> <laughs> he used to sit next to me oh, when go. I would play games and mm. he would just, he could not stop himself from making suggestions like, oh, you should go that way. You should go there. Did you go over there? <laughs> and I'm like, just shut up. I okay, know what I'm, I'm doing. I'm noting that down to do that next time we play a game <laughs> and see how you react. <laughs> you could never reach his level of annoyance. Like, uh, we can, I can try. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so he brought it back. We, th- my dad only lives like five minutes away from my house. That's where he lives too. So I went and picked it up at night. We played some Smash Brothers Melee mm. for a bit. That was fun. That's yeah, cool. so now I've got a now I have a GameCube. Nice. And I didn't even have to make a label for it. Yeah, I'm wondering how this you know <laughs> throws a spanner in the work for the whole label gate thing. And yeah. <laughs> it's just it's chaos now. What's going to happen? happen. <laughs> Anything. Cats and dogs living yeah. together. Hmm. Yep. So then randomly the next day I wake up in the morning, this is the day after I picked up the GameCube, and a guy was selling a bunch of GameCube games on one of the Facebook groups that I'm in where they trade uh, games. And there was so many, I, I lots of games I wanted, but I have to limit my spending. So hmm. I only picked up two. I picked up, um, what was it? Gauntlet, Dark Legacy, which is a 3D Gauntlet game. Never played it. Doesn't sound good. (laughs) (laughs) You said 3D Gauntlet game. Yeah. That sounds bad. So my first introduction to Gauntlet was a game like this, but not this one. I I first played Gauntlet Legends, which I believe was an arcade game. Yeah, I think. also N64. So I played it on N64. I'm sure that was a shining example of Gauntlet. (laughs) In terms of graphics, yeah, the graphics aren't great. And mm. I wonder what the arcade game is like. It's one of those games that I've been seeking out for a long time because I really enjoyed playing it back when I was a kid. Mm. And I think one of the things that really excited me about the game is that you could put your initials in and it would remember your level. So oh, as you yeah. play, you gain experience and your character actually levels up. Mm. And I think it's like every 10 levels, the model actually changes slightly as well. Oh, cool. So as you level up, you get like beefier and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. Just um, like real life. Yeah, just like real life. Yeah, it's like working out in a gym. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> that was one of the things that I loved about that game. And I never really played it much at the arcade, but yeah, I played it a lot on N64. I don't know if that's something that was in the original Gauntlet. There was no like save game or anything no. in that or leveling or anything like that. There was leveling, wasn't there? Um, maybe not, no. Mm. No, it was very much a coin muncher where mm. the more coins you throw in, the more health you get. Yeah. And as yeah. you're playing through, your health is constantly ticking down. Right. So yeah. it's not one of those games you can 1cc, 1 right. credit clear, because yep. there's no such thing. Your yep. health is going to go down no matter what you do. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that Gauntlet Legends is actually a, a big improvement in terms of like gameplay and mechanics on the original idea. Mm. And I know that people 
love that game. And But when I went back to it, I didn't enjoy it as much as what I enjoyed going on Legends because mm. you have that life ticking down mechanic in the original game that's mm. in in the 3d one in gauntlet legends that your life doesn't tick down you just have your life you know mm. and you can pick up health drops and that sort of thing to go longer and yeah that's the main reason i didn't like the original gauntlet because mm. of the life ticking yeah. thing yep but fun fact the original gauntlet is um our friend and yours andrew ferguson cardini mm. His favourite arcade game. He actually owns one. Does he? Yeah. So oh. Andrew, being a massive pinball guy, yeah. he owns a lot of pinball machines and has just been into it for so long. He used to operate pinball machines as well. Yeah. Doesn't particularly care about video games and arcade games, mm. but Gauntlet, he mm. loves for whatever reason. Yeah. And yeah, he's got a original cab. Mm. Looks really cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I I actually find it hard to understand the draw to the original one but Gaunt Legends is very fun hmm. and this one is I guess like a sequel to that so the graphics are terrible <laughs> um, is this the N64 one uh, no GameCube one well I can only speak really for for, for the GameCube one that I hmm. played recently because hmm. I haven't played the N64 one recently but you can only imagine it can't be that amazing but I've got the feeling that this Dark Legacy, I mean, it looks like an N64 game. And I don't know if it's my mind warping the way that things look, hmm. but it looks like an N64 game to me. Hmm. So if that speaks to the graphical quality at all. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> it really does. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was, I found it quite easy too, like too easy. Um I think it could have been harder. Like, I played through the whole, like, four levels. I think I played it for about 45 minutes, and it was there was no challenge at all. Hmm. But this is coming fresh off the back of finishing Bayonetta 1. You so, finished it? Yep. Um, so it may be a contrast of that. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was really, really easy, and maybe it gets harder as you go. Maybe I need to go and set the settings to hard or something. Hmm. But, yeah, I found it very easy. But still... I think it's something about leveling up, getting gold, and buy, you can buy, like, power-ups and stuff, mm. um, and then being able to save your progress mm. just under, like, your initials. Um, well, in the GameCube version, you have to save it to your memory card, but, but that's kind of the idea from the arcade was you put your initials in, and that's, like, your profile. Yeah. And then there's lots of different classes, like character classes, and you can unlock... There's heaps of unlockable character classes. Okay. This sounds all right, actually. Yeah, it is fun. And it's obviously made to be four-player. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. It's um, it's a fun game. Hmm. So cool. I got that. I the other one... Check that out. Yeah, the other one I got in with that, that game off this guy was Super Monkey Ball. Ah, one of yeah. my favourite games of all time. Yeah. Hmm. So I didn't play it much. I got this weird problem where I plugged the GameCube into my big HD TV because at the moment I don't really... That's all I have to play. And Gauntlet was fine, but with Super Monkey Ball, the game was very, very bright, like to the point where it was so bright that I actually couldn't read the text 
like on the main menu. That's and weird. Yeah. And turning down the brightness didn't. Hmm. It's like the gamma is off or something. Hmm. Really weird. Anyway, I don't know what the deal is with that, but I should be getting a new CRT, or not new, but another another monitor, like older style monitor. You don't necessarily need a CRT for GameCube games, though. No. That's of the era of, you know... It's still converting it, though, from analog to digital. Yeah. So... Yeah, I suppose. It's not, not that I need it, but it'll look better on a CRT. Mm. It'll look better on an analog, like... And get component cables. Yeah, well, there's that too. Hmm. It's so this this um, GameCube as well. It's got the digital output, which apparently after 2004 they stopped adding this digital out uh. AV out on the um, thing. But I don't know. It's it doesn't actually seem that valuable. So I was looking for what I could use it for, and it's you still need to buy a. A digital to analog converter. The only cable for it was this one that basically had a digital to analog converter chip in it, and it's like very, very expensive. <laughs> I think it was one hundred and fifty dollars retail, and now they're like three hundred because they're actually quite rare. But what does hmm. it do? So it t- changes it to component. It's got component outs, so it changes it to component, and then I guess if you were plugging it into a HD TV would then the TV would then change it back to digital I suppose Matt's got a confused look on his face I thought it was the same output like the same I don't have to look no it's got there's two different plugs one for there's one digital one one analog I don't know anyway I don't know much about it but long story short I found out that the GameCube with the digital out is not as rare as the cable itself, and the cable is really expensive. So, <laughs> I more don't, expensive than the console. Yeah, so I don't have the rare part of the the equation, mm, right? <laughs> um, and and yeah, questionably, it's it's yeah, I mean, it's probably not worth it anyway hmm. because you can now get like HDMI converters, yeah, um, which are probably basically the same thing but cheaper. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. I'd- I'm looking forward to hearing how you go with Super Monkey Ball. Yeah. I'll it's really, really hard, <laughs> like, to finish. Yeah. I mean, it's super simple to get into. You're mm-hmm. just rolling a ball around. But to get to the master stages is one of the hardest things you can do in gaming. And then finish the master stages. Mm. It's probably easier than getting to the master stages, mm. but it's still bloody hard. It's definitely, from what I played, it was harder than I expected. Mm. But also I was having that problem where i could hardly see what i was doing yeah that doesn't help help. yeah no but it is funny watching speed runs of super monkey ball because you know they're doing these ridiculous things Mm. and then you go onto the game and try and do them yourself thinking Mm. that it looks reasonably easy Mm. but it's so bloody hard to do what they're doing yeah just even going in a straight line is tough (laughs) yeah yeah so when i did play it i Got, I was kind of just throwing it on just to, A, make sure it worked, which I didn't think that it wouldn't work, but just to throw it in and just see how it would go. And I started playing it, and I played through a bit, and I'm like, okay, this is a bit harder than I thought. And then I got through a bunch of levels, but I got the first level I got to that had moving 
like parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like a checkerboard and the different, you know, parts of the level were moving around mm. and I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that's particularly <laughs> Come hard. Come back to this later. Because <laughs> the thing you've got to realise is that you're not controlling the ball. Yeah. You're controlling the level. Yeah, that's the thing that's a bit, yeah, getting yeah, your head around weird. that. Is so you can't just roll onto a moving platform and then stop moving mm. and you're fine and you stick on that platform. Mm. No, you've got to move constantly to keep yourself on that platform. Yep. Yeah, and it's not as if you're even controlling... Like, as you would imagine, if you were in one of those big blow-up balls, if you're inside that, you can kind of control the direction that you're going and I think intuitively that's what it feels like you should be able to do. Mm. But you're not doing that at all. Mm. It's just the tilt of the level. Yeah. And so you have to really plan where you're going mm. yeah cool do you want to do one or? me or you um i'll go now okay Actually. now that you've got a fisherman's friend in your <laughs> mouth and i mean that in the best way possible right mm. is it strong <laughs> no not ex- not like a warhead <laughs> okay so river aid <laughs> <laughs> it's back well this is the recurring segment. Yes. Mm-hmm. One could say we're the River Raid podcast. Well, we should be, maybe. <laughs> Just River Raid. <laughs> I was up to that. We All the River Raid. <laughs> All day. After last episode, where I had the revelation about the switching the games mm-hmm. between the... The spring 60, yeah. into the button and the doobie wants it. <clears throat> yeah. That seems to work. Mm. I don't have the whole thing there, but it all fits together well. Hmm. And I like this idea. It's going to happen. <laughs> right, so I modified... On, it's been three weeks since the last podcast. It's been slow going because I'm waiting for things to happen, right? So I, so I, pretty pretty quickly after we recorded the last podcast, I updated the PCB design mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. support the Switch mm-hmm. and sent that off to Oshpark, and I've been waiting for it to come back. Ah, it's ta- of course. Taking, it seems like it's taking so much longer, but I checked my emails, and it seems like... Maybe it's held up in customs. <coughs> ah, yeah. It could be getting inspected. <laughs> well, anyway. Th- this I one's got a switch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't, yeah. It's just a flat yeah, board. Yeah. Speaking to you from another part of time and space, I'm Mark Williams, a.k.a. Bakersnark MDW, on the forum. Not wanting to pour cold water on Matt's elegant switching solution, but I think one version would be used much more than the other. Probably PAL but the cart will always switch to the other version each time it's inserted, and it has no visual indication which version it's currently on. With the electronic switching solution, one version is the default every time the console started, and a quick power cycle selects the alternate version. Just saying. It's just me. It seems like it's taking longer, but it actually isn't. (laughs) And so the next thing I did was update the label, because I figured I've got a put a thing to indicate the switch on it. Yeah. And also I mentioned, I think I wanted to update the end label to say River TE mm-hmm. so that you could see if you have both. And um, so I opened my paint program. I might have mentioned I did it in a paint thingy yeah, rather than vectors mm-hmm. and that. Mm. And so I was doing all this stuff, moving things around. You know, vectors are really good. <clears throat> yeah. Really, yeah. really so good. So this is why, right? <laughs> because my 25,000 by 20,000, whatever it is, label... I was moving a piece of text around and mm-hmm. my computer did something <laughs> I've never seen before. The screen just blacked out. Whoa. Huh. 
Like it was already struggling. Like you could tell it was going a bit slower. And then suddenly all of my monitors just went black. And it was still running because I could make sound. Hmm. But no display. Oh gosh, shit, what's Don't happened? you have a I super just, mega duper PC? It's decent, yeah. It's a, I, I, no, yeah. So it's like the top Skylake, which is i7 6000 thingy you could mention any number gig- right now yeah. i believe you <laughs> it's like one of the best ones from like 2016 it's an i13 mm. <laughs> <laughs> and 16 gigs of ram and whatever video cards 1070 mm. if you know i guess mm. yeah so it struggling should be, with moving text around on a bit yeah, but on, on a gigantic 50 million megapixel mm. image mm-hmm. sure they freaked it out so much <laughs> and i didn't know what to do because you had unsaved changes? or yeah, right. unsaved, right. right. I did a lot of changes because I was fixing a few things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went over to my laptop, tried to remote desktop in, and found that I couldn't because of some security mm. changes that had to happen. Nice. And in the end, um, I found that I unplugged my monitor and then plugged it back in. It redetected the display and came back. Wow. Hmm. It was touch and go for a second there. I thought I exploded <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. River Raid TE takes no this prisoners. Is, <laughs> and so after that experience, I thought, okay, f- forget the painting. And I got, I loaded up Inkscape and I redid the entire thing in vectors. Mm. Mm. Vectors are so much better. Yeah, yeah. When you're working with things at scale, yeah, so much better. I've only recently <coughs> discovered this in the last six months. So did you draw the artwork? Redraw the artwork? Uh, well, it's basically font. Okay. They're just typing words. Okay. And placing them around, getting the right size. Yeah. Except for the Activision logo and the screenshot in the mm-hmm. middle, they're the only images that I have to import, right. and the rest is just typing. Yeah. But, you know, getting the right size and mm. position and all that. So, actually, I got, I just loaded up the old image and put it as the background, mm. and I'm typing the oh, words yeah. over the top of... Have mm-hmm. you made it, like, the right size in millimetres for the yeah. label? Yeah, okay. I did that now, so because... Good. I can open, I can set, yeah, in Inkscape, you can just say it's this by this. Yeah. Mm. Meters, yeah. Hmm. One less thing I have to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you vectorized the background as well? The background, the the screenshot? Mm. No. It'll be fine. No, I yeah. didn't redo that because... It looked fine on the test original. print that we did. Mm. It's, it's, you don't, it's a very, it's a small label. So it's not like... Um, it's not like a poster or like yeah. a, a billboard or something. Yeah. yeah. But I just mean when you're working with that, if you need to, you know, enlarge it or reduce it or whatever, mm. vectors are just so much better oh, yeah. to work with. Yeah, yeah. Way better, yeah. Yeah. And I know you said the resolution probably didn't have to be that high, but if I was doing an edit, I, if I had to go back to it, that's why I thought I'll do it huge so that changes I do don't matter so much. Mm. Mm. Anyway, that's over. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a version 2 label ready to go as well so I can actually mm. print it now uh, if you want but but there's no GameCube yeah. in the equation anymore <laughs> so how does this work mm. well I, I'll do it anyway uh, I don't care oh, so nice <laughs> it's it's a good test for us anyway right like it's yeah Cause we've, we've got this we've got a new printer and um, it's we haven't really used it much, and it will do like photo quality stuff. Um, it's for bigger packaging and stuff like that. So um, we can yeah we can do a test print, but I'd have to check if we have the right material for it. 
Mm. Anyway, yeah, it's not a big deal. Mm. Easy. It's easy. It's also the other thing in making this label. So you imagine they weren't doing it on computer back mm. then. So I don't know what they do exactly, but I've seen old print press things. They get letters off their stamp, stamps, I guess, and put, place them in mm. the thingy. Well, what I found anyway is the is it's called kerning or there's spacing between the letters yeah. and the spacing mm. between the words. It's mm. all really weird yeah. for the way those labels were. So mm. <laughs> getting mm. that right, tweaking that was really weird because mm. you'd, you'd set it in the middle and then do the spacing for the you know, this line, and that seems okay. You go to the next line, set the same thing. It doesn't work. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Something funny going on with the way they... They're probably just fudging it. Basically, if it's done by hand, they were prob- they probably were just, yeah. you know, mm. moving things around mm. manually. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had to recreate the manual crap that they had to do. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the fun of working with text. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, I could have ignored that, but no. No, of course. I had because I have a scan of the original label. There's another background image, and I'm trying to overwrite. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Cool. We're It'll almost be there. Not good enough. Actually, we're not almost there. This is going to go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> I but, really want to. I feel like since you're well, it's not me, but since you're going to so much trouble, I just feel like we should produce a bunch of them, like. I don't know where well, we can get the... We need to find cartridges. We need to get the cartridges somewhere <laughs> without destroying other games. Well, there's a minimum of three because I have to get three boards and I've got three sets of chips. I right. mean, there's three of us. I don't have an Atari. Neither do I. 2600. <laughs> mm. I've got a 7800. Oh, that works. They're compatible. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, well, there you go. But if you're going to have it as a collector's thing, it needs to have a box. <laughs> And a manual. <laughs> I, I mean, would like this. I'll but... write a manual for it. Yeah? Yeah. Um, it won't be hard. <laughs> no, but it has to look like the original manual. Well, we can just take the original and then put add in TE the TE the rules. No, just put TE Wouldn't in be the hard. end of every River Raid bit of text. Okay. Done. You've got to explain all the game modes. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's all you have to do. The rest can be the same. So... I could I I could recreate the manual in a vector image and then just add in the extra game modes and that's it. And then there's the about the author. <laughs> uh, about yes. the author. Is is this valid? Did it Atari games Did it Atari games have about the author? Activision in particular yeah, was the did. reason why they exist is because they weren't getting credit in when they were working for Atari. Ah. So they formed Activision so that they could put their name on the box. Ah. Mm. <laughs> Maybe we could do it in a way that's kind of like, not poking fun, but makes it very obviously, you know, it's a it's a it's not a ROM hack. I guess, I don't know what you'd call it, like a homebrew or a, a, a fan-made game. A homage. Yeah, like to make sure that people know that don't don't make it look too much like the original. Like, yeah, make it copy the style and yeah. everything, but make sure it's clear that this is like made in 2018 and it's not the original River Raid. We'll have to sort of dress you in 
what, 80s slash last oh, yeah. clothing. <laughs> oh, this sounds great. <laughs> Give you like an afro. <laughs> I think they were black and white photos. So that Flared pants. Probably less effort you need, but yeah. That'd be mm. cool. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> this has to happen. Yeah. We can get Matthew Venables involved for yeah. the photography. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that cool. sounds cool. Oh, that's the next thing. It's going to take up my entire year, isn't it? <laughs> your entire we're in life. Yeah, so th- I began this whole thing around the Christmas break, mm. and it's now almost halfway through this year. Mm-hmm. I wonder, but is there any, like, legal implications? Because it's not, you know, you didn't write the game originally. Mm. Yeah. So, and Activision, the company, is still there, yeah. mm. still out there. It's very yeah. protective of its products. Yeah, there yeah. clearly are issues, but I, I have to fly under the radar. Mm. This podcast I'm not going to sell it for money. The radar. Mm. Yeah. I think we'll be fine. Okay. Not making thousands of these things. Yeah, right. Unless the original creator, she, um, you know, gives you a cease and desist or a court notice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll frame that on my wall. Mm, there you go. <laughs> That'd be an achievement in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that everything on River Raid? Uh, yeah. Okay. talked about PAX coming to Sydney and the fact it's not never going to happen because, mm-hmm. you know, PAX is a Melbourne thing mm. and it's freaking fantastic in Melbourne. But something you brought up, Matt, was the um, the International Convention Centre in Sydney yeah. has recent be- recently been completed yeah. and, you know, PAX has a... What was it, a contract? It was something like five years, I think, Mm. at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Yeah. So coincidentally, could this mean different things Mm. for PAX? I don't know. But the reason why I bring it up is that um, just recently, probably two or three weeks ago, I went to a conference for work at the ICC, International Convention Mm -hmm. Centre. Not International Cricket Council. No. No, that's something Just different. for everybody listening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously the first time I'd been there, I mean, it's only been up and running for a year, mm. the ICC Convention Centre. Yeah. It's huge. I haven't been inside. It's massive. I think you could fit three paxes well, in, in that Wow. I mean, to be fair, thing. they don't use the entire Melbourne Convention Centre either. Mm. Mm, true. I mean, you could fit a lot more than they do right now. Mm. But yeah, d- well, not not so much the the big the expo area, but the other the theaters that mm. are used so much at the moment. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I was just struck with how huge the ICC is, mm. and really, really nice. It's a fantastic place. Mm-hmm. Really revi- revitalized that entire area. Like, I don't know about you guys, but. I'll, you know, go down Darling Harbour area for the last five years, maybe even ten years. Mm. It was just a run-down dump, mm. just really sort of almost depressing. Mm. 
and there was no reason to go there. Yeah. But this ICC, now that it's it's built and it's it's opened all that whole area up and it looks fantastic, it looks like a completely different space. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really cool. I'm not trying to mention <laughs> that PAC should move there at all <laughs> because the whole idea of... Or one of the main reasons why I think we enjoy PAX is because it's a holiday out of Sydney. Yeah. Mm. We go to Melbourne. Melbourne's fantastic. It's got Bartronica, Pixel Alley, all mm-hmm. those kind of things. So we definitely don't want it to come out of Melbourne. But I just thought I'd mention going to the ICC. It's really, really cool. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think they've put a lot of effort into Darling Harbour. Mm. I can't imagine how much money they spent. Yeah. It must be huge. I haven't been there for ages. Mm. And there's it's no reason to go there, right? Is the IMAX still there? They're rebuilding no. it. They, ah. Yeah, it's closed now, but I believe it's coming back. They're building something in it. Okay. It's a hotel. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's not coming back. <laughs> I don't know about IMAX, but uh, the building where one, IMAX was, oh, which was yeah. sitting in between those two sort of freeway things, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be some ridiculous, posh hotel. The building looks pretty amazing. Okay. The, the you know, designs of the, the building. It's like a big sort of curvy... It's really hard to explain, mm-hmm. but it looks amazing. Okay. It looks really, really cool. So that area is going to be awesome. Yeah, but never as good as when SeaGuard was there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever go to SeaGuard World? No. I never went there either. See, this is why I closed you down. You guys never went to SeaGuard World? <laughs> I know. Jeez. And I was like a Sonic fanboy and all this kind of stuff, but never went. I went there a lot. Oh. Really? Yeah. Hmm. What was in there? What was in there? Yeah. <laughs> Sega stuff, one yeah. would imagine. It was awesome. They had so they had like the main attractions, like rides, just like a uh, you know park, a theme park has, um, and it was smaller than like you know a theme park and you know your Wonderworld, Wonderworld, Wonderland. Hmm. Um, there was one that was I think it was called Ghost Rider or something, and it was like a uh, a roller coaster, but it was also a shooting game with like um, mounted mounted oh. guns, and you had a screen in front of you, and it was kind of like a hologram, mm-hmm. and so you could see through it. And they had all like you know horror themed stuff, but not like scary, like kitty horror kind of stuff. Mm. And ghosts would come out on the screen, and you have to shoot them. And it was mostly on like slow, and then there was a few bits where there'd be like a fast drop or something. Pretty sure that Wait. was a Sega arcade game as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, Wait, so I, this this track, this you're in a carriage, yeah, riding around a track, yeah, with a screen in front of you, yeah. But the screen was it's like see through, uh-huh. so you could see things around you. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. It was like a hologram kind of thing, um, but two D. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. then it you know things would like like there'd be a picture on the wall and it would like come alive and you'd have to shoot it with your gun and hmm. yeah. Oh. It was. That, I think cool. that was my favourite yeah. one, and as it got like older and less popular and started, you know, going downhill, they would do things where you could have like a free pass for the day where you could play as much as you wanted. And I remember with a friend of mine just going on that like <laughs> over and over again because <laughs> hmm. you'd get a score and stuff too. You know, you'd like hmm. try and beat the high score, and I don't think we ever did, but yeah, had that, and then it had the weird like dodgem car slash shooting thing which was like this massive it's like a dodgem car with a like a whole thing that went over the top of you and it had a cannon at the top like a tank kind of thing and you're trying to shoot each other 
That was weird. You s- it's balls, like soft balls. Okay. And you suck them up from underneath um, the car and then you shoot at other people. Oh, that's kind of cool. I had that. Then there was a virtual reality thing as well where you put like a helmet on and that was Star Trek themed. What? <laughs> and it had, yeah, and it had this intro video at the start with like the worst acting. <laughs> and I just remember there was this woman that was like, you know, they were talking about what you had to do and you actually use your head to aim. Um, and so you'd be looking at things and then you have to press your thumb buttons on your seat to fire. And <laughs> she did this thing where she's like, and then you push those buttons. And she's like moving her thumbs up and down. It was really bad. <laughs> Sounds bad. And I think the chairs tilted as well on that one. Hmm. They had another one of those capsules with the tilting chairs. They had the big um, F1. I think they're indie cars or F1 cars hmm. with like the whole. Um, it was like three quarters of the car that would move backwards and forwards with the massive screen oh. in front of you and. Apparently, that was the most popular thing, the Mm. most popular attraction. But I think it was just right next to the door, and I think that's why. Right. (laughs) And then they had heaps of arcade games, and, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Well, we should go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's go. It was good. (laughs) And then, yeah, towards the end, you'd get the pass, and you could just play the arcade games as much as you want. But they they became really run down, I remember. Like a lot of balls missing off joysticks and, yeah, it's pretty shitty when that happens. Mm. It's sad. Mm. Mm. The only thing I remember about Sega World was the purple water they had out the front. Mm. Remember the sort of, I don't know, it was like a fake sort of lake out the front and it was all purple mm. coloured. I don't remember that. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember it. It doesn't, sounds like something they would do though. I went to Sega World in its early days. The rides were an amusing novelty with VR options at the time, including synchronised seat movement. But I didn't find any of the gameplay aspects terribly engaging or challenging. Didn't make use of the arcade either. It might have been better value on a day pass arrangement. Also, I went when my son was very young, so we stayed for the live show, which was people in Sonic mascot costumes performing to pre-recorded dialogue, a story where Sonic and co. saved the Harbour Bridge from the evil Dr. Eggman. Quite painful experience. So that was my trip to the ICC. Mm. Uh, you're next, John. Cool. I've got more things, so... I've gone a little nuts lately, and one could argue that it's not only lately, but um, I'm going to just stick with my story. Um, I guess I've let myself go a little because I know that come November, priorities will change. (laughs) Um, Um, Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, my baby, me and my wife's baby, my wife and I, she's pregnant. Mm. I don't like saying we're pregnant because I feel like that really minimizes, not minimizes, but I feel like she's doing a lot more in this situation than what Mm. I'm doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I feel like saying she's pregnant Mm. and I'm supporting her would be more correct. Right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, our daughter's coming in November. Oh, so you know the sex as well? Yep. Okay. Yeah, we're having a girl. Cool. And so I'm kind of letting myself go for now. 
Not that I'm spending heaps. Can. I mean, it's retro games, so it's not mm. like they're really that expensive, unless you buy something that's expensive. And you? as you as you know, I got the Sega CD. Mm-hmm. So I've got some Sega CD games. I also picked up some PS2 games from CEX, which were very, very cheap. Um, one of them was Crazy Taxi, which right. I'd like to have on Dreamcast, but it's so hard to justify that when I can buy the PS2 one for $8 and mm-hmm. the Dreamcast one is probably going to cost me like 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I'm told that the PS2 one isn't as good. Yeah. The... Soundtrack's different and yep. something else about it. Okay. Yeah. It's, not, not. it's not in a Sega console for start. Right. Hmm. It still has... <laughs> but arcade and Dreamcast ones. Are okay. There's differences anyway. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to look that up then. Um, it still has Offspring and other bands on it. Okay. Um, one thing I did notice, which I never noticed before, was that it doesn't play the whole song. It like, Maybe it's a PC one. It plays like yeah. half the song and then... Goes to another song, which I thought was that's weird. Oh? Yeah, hmm. but I know that that not also- like an edit of the song. You mean it, it cuts out? Um, or they've they've just shortened it? Yeah, it's like they've shortened it. And yeah. I think that probably the reason is to keep the energy up, like because it's very high energy, the game itself. And mm. I think that's the idea. And I mean that that album, that Offspring album, is is high energy pretty much the whole way through. There are some songs that are not the same but yeah yeah it's it doesn't play the whole song it it switches to another song which is a bit weird and so i don't know maybe that that could be a difference but still has those songs in there um i can't before you move on that's a game that i know is well loved in the especially the sega community but i never really got into that game Mm -hmm. i mean you know to be fair i've only probably played it once or twice Mm -hmm. Mm. And you particularly like it though, or yeah, I do like it. Did you play it on Dreamcast or just arcade, or it would have been arcade? I think one thing about this game is that there's a lot of uh, advanced techniques that the arcade probably doesn't intuitively teach you. Mm-hmm. When you get the Dreamcast version or the console version, there's all these challenge levels that you can play, and they teach you how to use all the advanced techniques, which is right. like power sliding and there's a like the most important one is I forget I think it's just called a lot of them are like crazy something <laughs> so I think there's like a crazy boost or something like that there's a boost and a stop and they're very important because it cuts out a lot of time like if you just press the accelerator to go it takes the car so long to start going hmm. but if you know how to do the boost you instantly start moving forwards and all it is is switching to reverse and then switching to drive and accelerating at the same time. All right. And then that will give you a boost start. And then the stop is the same. It's just, well, you, most of the time, obviously, you're already in drive. So you just hit reverse and brake at the same time and you almost instantly stop. You stop a lot faster. That's obviously important. Is that and a crazy have, brake? I, probably. Hmm. I can't remember what they're called, but there's stupid things like that. Yeah, so those two skills arguably advanced skills (laughs) but the game doesn't teach you really those skills and you kind of need it to have a decent game Hmm. so yeah i'd like to give that more of a try sometime yeah i wouldn't say it's like you know an all-time favorite or something that i really love but it's definitely a fun game and it's 
a nice arcade style experience. Mm. But yeah, you got to learn those advanced skills, otherwise you'll never have a good game of it. Mm. Really, I saw a Crazy Taxi arcade cab come up for sale recently for a really good price. Oh, really? But no one wanted to pick it up because, like a lot of those arcade games of that era, they're huge. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to have the room to put them somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that recently. Arcade games these days, like when you go to a, you know, like your time zone or, you know, those kind of arcades, all the games in there are ridiculously large. I don't understand how they move those. Moving my Mortal Kombat 2 cab almost killed me. Yeah. I can't understand anyone trying to move anything bigger than that. Yep. And it's just, I was just thinking about how they're so different to back in the day when you'd have like a wall lined with, you know, low low boy style cabs, you know, and you could probably fit four of those in the space of what one game takes up now because they're just all, it's like, it's a spectacle. Like mm. these games are now a spectacle. Mm. And um, yeah, they're just so big and heavy and it's, it's time zone now is more like going to a carnival than going to an arcade. Yeah. Mm. Which is why I don't like them. Yeah. Actually, I like going to carnivals. <laughs> I don't like going to time zones. Because maybe <laughs> because it's an authentic experience as there opposed to go. something else. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so I got that. And, I, and the other PS2 one I got was a Sega collection. So it had, it was, there were all like 2000 era games like Space Channel or something mm. like that. Mm-hmm. There was a Puyo Puyo, I think, oh, yeah. which yeah. is like a puzzle kind of game. Yeah. Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. That's a Puyo Puyo game. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Um, so, But they were all like Dreamcast era kind of games, and I was like, this is awesome. Like, how have I not heard of this before? Mm. Um, I think it had a Knights game on it as well. A Knights game. Oh, Knights. Yeah, like yeah. as in the Sega Saturn. Yeah. Anyway... I didn't get to play it straight away. I eventually got to put it in, and then I started it up, and it was like um, Sega iToy, or it was like iToy not not detected, um, connect iToy into um, USB port. Hmm. And I was like, You mean what? Sony iToy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what? I don't have an iToy. I don't want to play with iToy. I just want to play the normal game. And I restarted it, and then it said the same thing. And I looked at the back of the box and it says iToy required. Oh, man. And I looked at the screenshots and it's all those games, but like they've adapted them to play with the iToy. And so then there's pictures of people like on the screen. I think Virtual Fighter was on there, like you're punching, like you're swinging your arms to punch. Why would you want to do this? And then, yeah, all these games. And I'm just like, you're kidding me. Like they've adapted (laughs) these games. I just want to play the normal. Like this seems like an awesome collection. Hmm. But they just turned them into stupid iToy games. Hmm. It's unlike <laughs> Sega to do a cash-in. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, oh, god damn it. So, yeah. Wow. That is, there, is there no chance that the original game is in there as well? It won't let you start it without yeah. an iToy collect. But assuming, let's say you had one connected and then got past that, that barrier. Mm. If you had a classic hack mode in there. that you could plug into your console that it thinks it's an iToy, but it's not an iToy. Mm. I'd, I'd like it if that was the case, but looking at the screenshots and stuff, it seems like they've, they're probably just mini-game versions of the actual game hmm. that you need the iToy to play. I don't think it's got the actual games on there. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that was a real disappointment. Like, I thought I'd found a real good find there. Hmm. And I was like, how have I not heard of this 
collection before. Now you know. Yeah, because it's actually <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on? Yeah, you, John, uh, Matt. Um, so there is a game I'm playing. Oh my god, you're I, playing a game. Yeah, <laughs> besides <laughs> River Ray. just began, so I don't know if I should save this for another time. Well, you can mention what the game is. You don't necessarily need to talk about what you think about it. So, been looking for a replacement for Left 4 Dead. So, yeah. a co-op action game we can play. Mm-hmm. And the thing we've landed on is Vermintide 2. Oh. Which is the um, Warhammer. I'd, li- I'd like to play this. Yeah. yeah. So, this game seems to be something like, if you took Left 4 Dead and crossed with Diablo 3. Yeah. Huh. Or Diablo, yeah. So, do you actually level up and stuff? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah. All that stuff is in there. Your levels, your classes. Is you got loot, you know, you got, you know, chests and quests and... Do hmm. people like use melee weapons only or is there... So that's that's the problem I have with the game so far is that it really pushes the melee stuff, mm. which I don't want to do. Mm. Um, so I've just picked the one, one class that seems to have at least, you know, viable range. Is it a rifle-style weapon or is it like... Well, I'm using a wizard... Oh. Ah. Uh, it's a caster anyway. I'm yeah. not sure what they're calling it. Okay. And even then, you you can't use your magic for long. Is it a space marine like character, or is it? No, it's not forty thousand. Ah. Oh. Ah. Okay. So I don't is know. It, All the enemies so far are rats. Is it set in the Age of Sigma? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about Warhammer really. <laughs> rats? Did rats, you say? Yeah. You're just killing rats all day. Thousands of rats. Yeah. Yeah. I've forgotten what they're called too. Hmm. Hence the vermin part. Ah, oh. perhaps. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The they're called. Um, uh, it starts with S. It's like scar. Oh, I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah. I but I can't help you. But <laughs> You're gonna that. they're not rats. No, I was rat, imagining rats when you mentioned rats, four-legged things that run uh, along the they're, ground. They're, what do you call these? It? Are they're, man rats? Yeah, rat men. Yeah. That's probably a better way yeah. to say it. Mm. Mm. And women, probably. Uh, I think Ratman is probably Skaven, that's it. Skaven, okay. yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. So surely it can't be just Skaven. I think that's kind of the uh, idea behind the game. No, mm. there's like guys that are not rats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not many. Not Ratman. I don't know what they're called. Well, the Skaven are like their own race, so Hmm. they're totally, you know. Ratmen. Yeah. (laughs) Good. We solved that one. (laughs) (laughs) The game's good? Well, you can't say yet. It's pretty early. Yeah, Uh, So I don't know. I mean. Who made it? Uh, uh, I don't know. Okay. I've heard that it's pretty good. Hmm. I've heard that it's worth playing, and especially as far as like Warhammer games go, because it's one of those things, one of those franchises where it's like Star Trek too. They they pump out so many games, hmm. and most of them are rubbish. Hmm. Um, and then every now and again, there's one that's good. And with Warhammer, that's like Dawn of War was was fairly good. Hmm. Um, I don't think I can think of another one. But, yeah, apparently Vermintide's decent. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, we looked forward to hearing more. Yeah. Actually, mm. they recently released More Time as well, which is like a turn-based strategy game. That is a game I've heard of. This other one I haven't heard of, but mm. that one I've heard of, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and also at the time of recording, all the Steam sales have uh, yeah. gone nuts. So my wish list just lit up. <laughs> all right. All the things I want are on, on special. So You're going to get them? A bunch, yeah. Hmm. Well, I've already bought a few. What's on your wish? What have you bought? Opus Magnum. What's that? Which is the latest. It's it's half a year old now. The latest game in the Zatronics series. So Shenzhen IO and TIS 100, these engineering games Hmm. that I I had played. Okay. Had I not mentioned them here? (laughs) Maybe. Engineering anyway, they're like, games? yeah, pretty much. It's, you mean it's like sort of a puzzle game, game, but they're giving you a job in Shenzhen IO. Okay, the whole thing is your your electronics engineer mm. living in Shenzhen, and you've got a job and you've got to build products. Okay, hmm. with electronics, do you actually like, learn like electronics while you're doing it, or are you just re- in a really rough solving kind of puzzles? Yeah. Okay, but but they are so it's like puzzles inspired by real electronics, sort of. No. Yes. <laughs> so I don't want to say it's puzzles because you're still programming. Yeah. More or less assembly. It's their own kind of thing. Mm. And you've got to kind of know, you know, roughly, you know, that you might have to get, you know, a not gate, you know, an AND gate or something like that. Mm. Basic electronics probably mm. help you a bit. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And mm-hmm. the, and that's not it's not just solving a puzzle. You do have to complete the solution, but mm-hmm. there's a number of ways you can do it. So you can optimize different ways. Mm-hmm. So when you do a, when you complete one, you get a you get ranked versus everybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's one for in Shenzhen I you can got the cheapest product or the fastest one or the one with the least code. And so hmm. even if you finish the thing, you can still go back and optimize a particular way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, Opus Magnum is... I haven't played it yet. It's more like you make machines to build things that look like molecules. Yeah, I don't know much, but at least you've got to watch <laughs> the video. It sounds over my head. <laughs> but similar kind of thing. You Sort of puzzle game, you're kind of engineering this thing to... Hmm. Machine to do what it's supposed to. Right. Hmm. That sounds interesting. Sounds right up your alley. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. bought um, the classic Doom collection for five dollars. Oh, yeah. On what? Steam. Steam. All right. Yep. So that has Doom one, two, Ultimate Doom. Oh yeah. Yep. I think that's it. Okay. Oh, and like I think there's like the Doom Lost Levels collection or something, which I'm sure I'll probably never get to. But mm. yeah. it was mm. like it was like three dollars for just. Doom one on its own, or I could get the whole pack. So I went for the whole pack. Yeah. Imagine mm. how much money they're still making on Doom after all this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I've got another game in my wish list which is on special called Oxygen Not Included. But it's still in early access, and it's been in early access for like, I think, two years or something. Yeah. I just and I can't bring myself to buy in something in early access. Mm. So, but it does look very fun. 
Uh, so I think it's it's kind of like a community game where you have, as in you're trying to get this community off the ground, like a people, like a settlement kind of, you know, games where you have a settlement and they have to mm. collect resources and build houses and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's like that, except it's under the ground <laughs> and there's only like so much oxygen and so you have to make machines to produce oxygen. Um, so I think you can you can get oxygen out of water and there's different ways you can do it Hmm. and but it's got this steampunk kind of style to it as well so it's like yeah steampunky under the ground building a settlement but you know limited resources Hmm. puzzle thing (laughs) doesn't sound like a game i'd like i don't know i mean sounds it's it's sometimes hard to pinpoint the types of games you like yeah that's true that is true (laughs) But Me? it's certainly not oh. an arcade-type experience. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Yep. Me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I went to Z-Ball <laughs> Pinball League. Mm-hmm. You also went yeah. to the Z-Ball Pinball League, Matt. Me too. Yes, correct. <laughs> this was two weeks ago? week and a half? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the middle of last week. Yeah, that's right. It's one of those occasions where I got hung over the next day. I drank a little bit too <laughs> on much. On a school night. <laughs> I know. I still went to work. It was all good. I was feeling very unwell, but I was at work. Uh, yeah, Z-Ball was fun. It was at the Orange Grove Hotel in Lilyfield. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of games they got there, Matt? They've got Star Wars, yep. Theatre of Magic. Yep. There was Adam's Family. Adam's Family. Uh, Game of Thrones. Yep, Game and of Thrones. Another one I didn't get to play... Was it Spider-Man? Yeah. Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah, that was a good night. Um, but like I said, I drank a little bit too much. One could say I drank a little bit too much before I even got there. Because <laughs> oh. I was uh, travelling with Mark Williams. <laughs> um, and we have a habit what are you of to drinking say? a little bit oh. too much. <laughs> oh, you know, we're good drinking buddies. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was Swiss pairings, what they call. So mm-hmm. you're put in a group... Then depending on how you go within that group is depending on who you play with the next round. Mm-hmm. So if you do really well, the next round you play with all the other players that played really well. Mm-hmm. If you did very poorly, then you play with the poorly players mm-hmm. the next round. And I think there was... <laughs> hey, Paulie, how are you going, Paulie? <laughs> Paulie wasn't there, by the way. Um, I think the, it was three rounds. All the Pauls just end up in one group. Oh, was there more three. than three rounds? Oh, yeah. Five? Five. Uh, at least... Mm-hmm. Mate, well, okay. possibly six. Right. Yeah, you can like tell that. my memory is a little hazy. Yeah. <laughs> the best thing in that situation is if you play badly and then you end up in one of the bad groups and someone else who you know is very good is also there. Mm. <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing here? Mm. And they're like, ah, oh, fucked up. Mm. <laughs> and then you say, yeah, I fucked yeah, up too. too. <laughs> <laughs> and that was me all night. But then you're like, well, at the same time, you wish that they hadn't because they then play well mm. usually the next time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I did pretty badly. I I was lucky not to come last that night. I was third last, but I, was re- I really thought I was going to end up last. <laughs> I was having trouble even seeing the ball. I was just, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was still fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, you did really so, well, Matt. Yeah, I did quite well, so... I don't know where they started me, but I lost immediately. And I, got, I definitely got into the lowest group, 
mm-hmm. on the second game. And then from there, I worked my way up and I got into the top group mm. and finished third. Yeah, nice. And, and actually, that third place came down to the last game. Right. Um, there's only one point between me and Dave. Dave Firepower? Yeah. Yeah. That's his surname, by the way. Firepower. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. That was fun. And Mark Williams came first. Yep. I do like the Swiss format. You can mount a bit of a comeback after a bad start that might have knocked you out over the knockout comp. Despite over-medicating leading into the comp, I felt I was doing alright, but I wasn't following the scores, so I was pleasantly surprised at my first place. So, you know, I can't blame alcohol, because <laughs> he was as drunk as I was, and he, and he won. He's so. a cheater. <laughs> He's got the keys. Yeah. So, you know, he probably took the glass off and <laughs> while no one was looking. Because it's easy to do that. Just furiously hitting a switch. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, get your hand in there. <laughs> and Dave Firepower finished second, right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Even yep. though I did very badly. And I was hungover the next day. Thanks to my tardy contributions, I'm able to report on the next Seaball comp held last Wednesday night. Same venue, same format, same machines. Team Mark put in a pretty good showing. Out of a field of nine, there were four marks. First place to Mark Tibbetts, third to podcaster Mark Bell, followed by me in fourth, and Mark Calvi in sixth. Andrew Winter came second, despite not being a Mark. Yeah, (laughs) and I credit my third place on that Star Wars machine. Really? Yeah, which... Everybody mm. hates, but yeah, I suddenly it's it. given me all the points. <laughs> mm. I really despise that game. Really don't like it. Uh, yes, and then you, John. Again, me. Okay. <clears throat> um, so, my Mega CD pickups were... <laughs> I got Batman Returns and Tomcat Alley and the Sega Classics Collection. Hmm. <clears throat> I remember Batman Returns wasn't too bad. Yeah. So, this it was on Mega Drive as well. Hmm. Um, and but on Mega Drive it was a platformer game. Mm. The Sega CD version introduced these driving levels, yep. um, which were like in between the platforming levels. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so you, it starts. Oh. I always thought it started on a platform level, and then the second level was driving. But it's the other way around. It starts with a driving level, and then you go into a platform level, which actually goes way longer than the driving did or maybe mm. I was just better at the driving one I don't no, know no I think it's because it was originally a platform game so the driving yeah. sections are sort of chucked Shorter. in there yeah. yeah yeah but is the driving one where you're driving straight on down the road and you use the thing to do the turns 
Is so someone else asked me this too. The thing. What? I'm trying to figure You've out the a, same game that I've played. If you remember from, I think it's from Batman Returns. There's this scene where he's doing. They're doing a chase, and he shoots a like a um, grappling hook. Yeah, a grappling hook from the side of the Batmobile that connects to like a telegraph pole, and he uses it to do like a hairpin turn at high speed. Yeah. That sounds realistic. Yeah, and so <laughs> at some point in some game somewhere, this has been a feature of a game because mm. someone else asked me the exact same thing, yeah. um, and I. That's didn't didn't come across that okay. in this game, huh. so I don't I don't know if it's in it or not. Maybe it's in it later. You no. do um, get to use the bat boat at some stage. So there's like a level in the sewer where you're on a you're in a boat like uh, his yeah, Batmobile boat thing. Yeah, and so I don't know. It might might be later in the game, but no. So I think it must be a different game. But mm. I I have played it on Amiga. Mm. Okay. It may not have been Batman Returns, right. but. One of those Batman games around that time. Yeah. Had this, hmm. you seen it? I know there's another one. I think there might be... So there's a, there is a beat-em-up on Super Nintendo, but I think there's another Super Nintendo game with driving or... I'll have to look that up because it looks... The concept looks the same, but the graphics look different, so it's obviously on a different console. But the you're shooting these, like, discs, and in this other driving game, it's the same thing. So I don't know if... They're taking the same concept, or if it's the same developing studio or what, but I have to find out what's going on there because hmm. I don't remember ever seeing that in the game in Batman the movie. So it doesn't seem like something that's come from the movie, but it looks exactly the same. But it's totally all the graphics are totally different, so it's like the same idea that's ended up in both games somehow. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, but the driving is actually really fun. I think it's actually really good. I seem to recall it looked pretty cool too. Yeah, it looks good. Um, And you're basically like driving down the road, you know, kind of like OutRun. Um, There's no traffic, but enemy cars come along and you have to shoot them and destroy them. Um, And once you get the hang of it, it's really good to play. And then you have bosses. uh, The Batmobile has missiles. And it shoots these little disc things, and you can ram them as well. But if they ram you, it takes your life off. So you pretty much always want to be ramming them. Hmm. The boss on the first level, it brought back memories for me because it's like this fire truck, and it's got these ladders on the side that open out to the side, and these little guys holding on. And if you ram the ladder while it's out, one of the guys will fall off, and that takes off like a chunk of the boss's life. So you can just shoot it. Or you can try and ram these guys off. Hmm. <laughs> and it's actually, it's challenging and and it was fun. And yeah, okay. yeah it's, I think it's a really well done game. And it's kind of weird that it's just like a little extra bit on the platforming game. Hmm. Um, I think the platforming game is okay. Um, not as fun, but... And, and so the other thing I remember about this is... I remember being able to choose between driving and platforming levels. So you can actually choose whether you want to play just driving or just platform or the mix of both. Um, And I didn't find it at first, but I found it later. It's in the options. So you go into the options and you can choose what you want to play. Yeah. So I'll probably just play just driving. (laughs) Just for the sake of getting through all, going through all the driving levels. Mm. I still want to play the platform game, but... I want to definitely want to experience all the driving 
levels. Mm. I think there's only four levels. So, yeah, that was really fun. Hmm. Um, okay, for my next one, speaking of pinball, I went to the Wollongong Pinball Competition. And speaking of Mark Williams, he accompanied me. Well, we didn't travel down together, but uh, he was also there. And this is another Swiss pairings sort of competition, but at, um, at Paul Jones' house. Mm-hmm. So we got to play his awesome games that are at like a ridiculous level of polish. Um, I won't rattle off all the games he has because he has a lot of games. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mark Cook, who goes to a few different leagues, goes to Wild Ball as well. He brought along his Total Nuclear Annihilation as well, so we got to play that. And now that I've played it a little bit more, I can confidently say I don't particularly enjoy the game too much. It's okay. It's always going against the curve. (laughs) It's not the... I expected a lot more out of that game. A lot of people are just saying it's the next coming of Mm. Pinball Christ, but... Yeah, it does nothing for me. I think it depends what you like. And it also, I think there's an element of hype involved because anyone who was coming at this before all of that hype would have been like, oh, this is a homebrew game. Like, oh, Mm. yeah, I'll give it a go. Mm. Press start. This actually sounds pretty cool. And then Mm. play, like, oh, it feels good, you know. Mm. Like, oh, you know, play it a bit more this is actually a lot better than I expected. Hmm. Whereas you're coming from it after everyone's like, this game is amazing. Yeah. It's the best thing that's happened in pinball yeah. in the last 10 years. you know. And then you play it and you're like, yeah, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I we saw it today and I looked at it and I looked at the screen and I thought, the resolution's all off. Like, it's, it's very... Um, I don't know. It's, the graphics have been designed... You mean the back glass? Yeah, on no, I mean on the screen. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah. the LCD screen. Yeah. So yeah. I looked at it and I was like, the graphics aren't very polished. And then I thought, it's a homebrew game. Like, what can you expect? You know. Mm, mm. Um, so I'm not going to go like picking apart all that sort of stuff. But no. But yeah, it is a it is essentially it's a homebrew mm. game. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, all of that sort of stuff aside, I'm not critiquing, critiquing the art or the animation mm. or anything like that. Yeah. It's just the game itself, again, I think it is about expectations. I thought mm. it was going to blow me away because apparently it's blown everyone away. Mm. But it's kind of, yeah, it's <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, It's not that mind-blower of the game that I thought it was going to be. Mm. But, yeah, in the end, I'm, I don't have anything against the game. Mm. It's just not what I expected. Mm. But the pinball competition itself, that was a that was a lot of fun. I think there was around 28 people who turned up. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Jones won it. <laughs> He's a pretty good player. Mm. Also home, yeah. town advantage and all that kind of stuff. Definitely. But still, sometimes that helps, sometimes it hinders. So mm. Certainly not taking anything away there. Mm. Um, I think Logan Jones, his son, came second. Okay. Logan's a really good player. Um I've travelled to various competitions in interstate with Logan and he's a really, really good player. Hmm. Um, and Pat Nichols came third, I believe. Mm-hmm. Matt Venables fourth. Mm-hmm. And I was equal fifth with two other people. Um, That's a good finish. 
Yeah, I was really happy with coming fifth, mm-hmm. especially coming out of the Z-Ball Pinball League almost coming last. How many people <laughs> were in that comp? In the Wollongong one? Yeah. It's around 28. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of the really good players like Brett Goodwin, um, Naomi Goodwin. Yep. Yeah, there was a lot of really good players there. So, mm. yeah, happy with that. Mm. And then afterwards, once all the sort of chaos of the pinball tournament was over, we hit the town, a bunch of us, mm-hmm. went out to Wollongong to a club. <laughs> <laughs> what? You went to a club? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it was a... Wait, a club, like an RSL club? No, like a nightclub. Like a doof doof club? Kind of, sort of. It's kind of like a mix between a pub and a and a nightclub. Okay. So they did have doof doof. Yeah. They had the areas where they've got the dance floor and the young things are dancing and doing all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. you can't talk to anyone because you have to really, really shout to be able yep. to hear each other. Yeah. But then you have your other sort of more quieter like, So areas. how was your work week? <laughs> what? <laughs> I said, how was your work week? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm going to go to the bathroom. Yes, it was green, wasn't it? <laughs> um, at, and it was packed. So, you know, you're snaking your way through. and But, it, yeah, that was, that was fun. We had a, like I was saying, we had a good sort of age range of people in our little group. We had... Mm-hmm. Myself, Paul Jones and Paul Reed, who are, you know, mid-40s, late-40s, whatever. Then you have um, Logan, early-20s, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Jake Jones, another one of Paul's sons. I hope it's one of Paul's sons. <laughs> <laughs> um, Early-20s again, and, and one of their friends. And, mm. yeah, we just hung around and drank some more and chatting. Cool. Jake Jones, and I think his name is Lachlan. I should probably check that. Uh, before I mentioned his name, they were talking about the podcast actually. Oh, which is kind of cool. bizarre. I don't know whether someone mentioned to them that we have a podcast, and it might have been Mark Williams, yeah. or whether they actually listened to the podcast. I don't know. Yeah, but we were talking about video games for a lot of the night, so mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Cool. Um, and yeah, that was it. Was a good night. Mm-hmm. Went to bed at four a.m. <laughs> got up and I was sick. Wow. I was hungover and also. The flu, cold slash thing started. So you have no one to blame but yourself. Pretty much. <laughs> yes. Cool. And over to you. Okay. My last thing on my list is uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've played a lot of Bayonetta. And this is part of the reason that I haven't played much of much else. This is part good news reason. to me. Yeah. I am um, pleased you play a lot of Bayonetta. Yeah, so I was in JB Hi-Fi and I saw it for sale, the pack with the download code for the first game. So it's Bayonetta 2 comes with a download code for the first game. Um, They were selling this in EB for $78 secondhand. So it comes with the code, but has someone already used it? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, JB was selling it for $69 brand new. (laughs) So I was like... Yeah, I'll buy that. Hmm. Um, And by the way, I've joined this Facebook group, which is like EB Games Shame. (laughs) And people just post all stuff about hating EB. It's (laughs) it's excellent. (laughs) I'm just like, hey, I found my brethren. (laughs) Uh, Like they were selling some Metal Gear Solid game more, like for more secondhand than they were selling it new. This is in that sale because it's like 10% off the brand new price. 
which is cheaper than what they sell at second hand. Yep. Yeah. Good, Good old EB. EB. Anyway, um, <laughs> yes, uh, so I got from JB Hi-Fi Bayonetta 2 and Bayonetta 1, and I thought I will play Bayonetta 1 first. All right, John, tell me all about Bayonetta. Yeah, so I've been playing a lot of Bayonetta. Um, and I'm pleased mm. to hear this news. <clears throat> yeah, this the week. The best beat-em-up of all time, some would say. <laughs> some would not put it in that category because it's a spectacle <laughs> fighter. Spectacle. <laughs> I haven't she heard... has spectacles. There's a lot of spectacles. Mm. So I haven't heard that, that genre name all that much. Um, but it seems to make sense to me. I, I thought you made it up. What else? No. Oh. Okay, I like I've it. I've heard a bit other more people now. call them spectacle fighters. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I don't know what else you'd call it. I mean, I, I, I can understand why you'd call it a beat em up, but it's definitely different to the beat em ups that we talked about last week. Because mm. um, it's all about the finesse and all that sort of thing. So, so, so yeah. Wikipedia, the authority on genres, <laughs> says it's action hack and slash. No. That's a stupid name for a genre. Wikipedia has destroyed its own reputation. No, it's correct. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it works. Anyway, um, yeah, so I finished the game. Um, because the save tells you how many hours you've played, mm-hmm. I know it was about 14, 15 hours. Okay. It took me to finish it. That seems pretty quick. This is without... So I was I was looking for secrets, but I didn't, like, go overboard or really, you know, um, take my time or anything. I was pretty much just trying to get through the levels, mm-hmm. mainly because I wanted to play the first game before I got to the second game. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably take more time with the second game. Um, yeah, I the whole time I was playing it, I did just... I was just trying to get to the end, which is... I don't know, it probably sounds bad, but I just wanted to experience the game. And because it's now quite old, um, yeah, I wanted, kind of wanted to move on to the more modern game. Mm-hmm. Also because, you know, it's supposedly better. Mm. Um, and I know that I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first game. I'll probably spend more time on the second game. Um, like when I finish the second one, I'll probably go back and play it some more, mm. you know, to unlock things and do all that stuff. So, so yeah, pretty much just wanted to play through it, you know, for the sake of the story and just the the spectacle of it and understand what the game is and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. Mm. Um, I've never played much of any games in this genre before. Neither have I. So I've never played Devil May Cry or... I, I played DMC4, I think it was. Okay. And it never grabbed me. Yep. Well, I think I've... Well, I mean, to say that I've never played it is not exactly true. I've definitely played them like I've had a go at it. But, yeah, never been drawn in by it. Mm. And I think what makes this so much better is that it clearly doesn't take itself very seriously at all. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's just all jokes and... It's like a... It's a rip on the whole genre almost. Yeah. The the bosses are <laughs> like the scale is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the 
the scale gets even bigger in in the second one. Right. Yeah. Mm. And so I have I've started the second one and I've right. been playing through it. And yeah, mm. I've got to that stage. Well, I got to a stage where I thought that like it's just getting even more ridiculous. Mm. Um, but yeah, towards the end of the first game, I think they they were doing a few things for the sake of showing you the scale and. My wife, Brianna, was watching me play it, and she was just like, why are they showing you that? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's just for the sake of giving you the scale of the game, because it would be like this boss would come out, and it's huge, and then Bayonetta would do her like magical thing, and it'd be like twice the size of that. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, and it was all, yeah, just got to a really ridiculous stage. Mm. But, um, but in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because yeah. it, it's it's ridiculous, mm. but it's cool and it's hilarious, but mm. it's kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I it's all of those things wrapped in. It's one way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of moments where you're just like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually showed her. There's, I forget what the enemy's called, but there's one enemy that's like an angelic version of Bayonetta. Oh, and yeah. yep. the intro to it, they actually do this like little dance and then it ends with them like spreading their legs and yep. this, this glow of light, light coming out. <laughs> yep. And I, I actually died on that stage and had to start it again. And then when it came up again, I was like, you have to see this bit. <laughs> <laughs> and and what did she like, think of it? She was just watching it like, oh, what's going on? Oh, And then when that bit happened, she's like, oh... Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, Mm. yeah. It plays up the whole sex thing Mm. quite a bit, Mm. but not in a, I don't know, it's hard to describe. It's not exploiting the characters or anything Mm. like that. It's it's almost, yeah, I'm not not educated enough to talk Mm. about it in the terms that would give it the relevance that it requires, but it's not... It's not degrading. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's never never about oogling or anything like that. Yeah, it's not from the men's gaze yeah. perspective. The, it's very much about Bayonetta and the characters mm. having the power and control within mm. themselves to, yep. to f- flaunt their sexuality mm. that's, again, not in a depraved mm. and stupid way. Yep. I think that um, kind of taps into the the basis of the game... Because the whole thing is, it's like this idea of light versus dark. Mm. And so the character that you're playing is technically like a, I don't know, a disciple or something of hell. Like mm. she, she's fighting on the dark side. Mm. And so she um, kind of uses like her sexuality as part of her, um, I wouldn't say weapons or something, but it's part of her repertoire of mm. you know skills or you know so she uses it she takes control and mm. you know that's what it is i guess to be you know fighting on the dark side of things i suppose mm. um yeah so but and the male character in the game he's the bumbling fool yeah yeah you'll try and do like this really cool swing on a rope thing and, you know, it'll come apart and then he'd smack into a wall and, mm. yeah, he's the kind of, again, bumbling fool. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, what was I saying before? I've forgotten. Oh, anyway. Yeah. What else can you say about it? Oh, that's right. That's what I was going to say. So towards the end, because I was saying to... I said to Brianna, I don't know how many times I'm like, I think this is the last boss. <laughs> and like, I guess that is part of the scale thing too. Like you start fighting these humongous bosses mm. um, and there's one where it's like these tentacles with this kind of baby looking face on the uh, end of it. Yep, yep. And then you fight, you're fighting that. And once you do like a certain amount of damage to it, you actually jump on it and you run down the tentacle and then it goes to this other face where the tentacle is actually um, coming out of the open mouth of this more adult-looking face, and then you punch that in the face a bunch of times, and then it kind of, like, throws up the rest of the tentacle, which gets ripped off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And at this point, she's just like, this game is so weird. (laughs) And I'm like, I think this is the last boss. Meanwhile, I think that was about the fourth last boss or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just kept playing, and she's like, I thought you... I think I stayed up. Not heaps late, but, you know, later than I probably normally would that night because I thought I was going to finish it, but it wasn't the end. Mm. (laughs) And then she'd already gone to bed, and the next night I start playing again. She's like, I thought you got to the end. And I'm like, I thought I did too, but (laughs) no. (laughs) Just keeps getting bigger and bigger. (laughs) And so kept playing, um, and then I was fighting the Jean character. Is it Jean or Jean? Jean, yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, she must be the last boss. And then finally beat her. That was a really hard fight. Mm. And no, there was another boss. Yep. And I think it was a really big one. And then the end ends up being the guy that's, you know, from the light side. That you yeah, have the to Lumen fight. Sage. Yep. Yeah. You're a number and witch. Yep. And the other side is the, the Lumen Sages. Yep. Yeah. It's very male-female light dark okay. thing yeah that's interesting too because I think I caught part of the story was that the world was unbalanced because um, the Lumen Sages had had uh, manipulated humans into taking on the Christianity or something like that hmm. or not maybe not Christianity but like a, a deity um, you know worshipping of a deity hmm. and that had unbalanced the world <laughs> or yeah. something like that yeah it was really it was interesting but um anyway yeah so i kept thinking it was the end and then it wasn't the end and then even got to the end had a cre- some credits mm-hmm. and that wasn't the end <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then played some more and then there was like a a kind of fun, easy fight at the end where you're, like, destroying a statue or something. Yeah, that's right, yep. And then you get more credits, and then you're even playing in the credits. There's, like, little bonus levels in the credits. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the last bit is, um, I think it's okay to spoil things. It's a game that's quite old now. Mm. You're throwing the last boss into the sun. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and sort of it, you're controlling the last boss trying to get them to the sun throwing them through the solar system yeah and you have to avoid all the planets Planets. and they actually have a gravitational pull yeah that's right yeah yeah 
So you need to avoid, you know, you're going past Jupiter and then you're going <laughs> past whichever to finally get to the sun and throw them in there and then mm. that's the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> so that's the sort of scale that it gets to at the end. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I started playing the second game and it feels like they've backed off the difficulty just a tad. Um, mm. But it's hard to say if that's just because... I've played it more now. I'm a bit more of an accomplished player, or if it's because that's they've actually changed it. It's probably that, I would say, because my last item that I was going to talk about was Bayonetta 2, because mm. I've been playing it quite a bit as well. Okay. And I'm actually at a stage now where I'm past the point that I got up to last time I played it, which was about two years ago or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I it starts off easy, but it gets harder as it goes along yep so yeah i don't i don't think it's easier mm-hmm. i wouldn't say so yep but what surprised me about number two and i only realized this about a week ago when i was watching a speed run of bayonetta one mm-hmm. was how much of a leap there is in in graphical quality mm. with bayonetta two yeah because originally when i played bayonetta two a couple of years ago i just thought ah, oh, it's it looks the same the controls <laughs> the same it's very similar mm. That's kind of why I ended up stopped playing it because it was kind of same, same. Mm. Um, but it's only recently now that I've realised, no, there's actually quite a large graphical jump. Mm. It's a lot more colourful too. Yep. The first game was kind of very dark yeah. and muddy, yep. whereas the second one's very bright and colourful. Yep. I would say it feels the balance feels better, and I don't mean like just in gameplay. Yeah, in colours and stuff. Mm. Yeah, the environments are like more normal kind of towns that rather than really that really dark kind of feeling that the first one mm. had mm. um which i think suits the game more because it it is it's not taking itself seriously and it's not like uh i don't know it's fun so why shouldn't it be bright and nice to look at yeah you know? um yeah 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 i think it's quite an upgrade and the, I'm not sure about the costumes in the first game. I was a bit unsure about how to unlock them. So the Switch version comes with a bunch of costumes, but I didn't want to really use them because they looked a bit cheesy. Are those the <laughs> Nintendo-themed yeah. ones? Yeah. yeah. Like Princess Peach. and Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've unlocked, like, the first costume in the second game, and that looks way better. It's... Well, I don't know if it's a full costume. It's just you. So when you get the sword weapons, I've unlocked. It's like a variation, I guess, mm. and it's more of an Arabian Nights kind of feel yeah. to it because yeah. it's meant to match the weapon. Yeah, and I really like that. Mm. So, yeah. How far are you into it? Where are you up to? Um, I think I'm up to chapter four. Okay. Yeah. So I'm about probably three hours in or something. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I'm up to chapter 14, I think. Okay. Mm. Right. I think the first game had 16 chapters. Mm. Yeah. So I think what I really love about it, or what I'm enjoying is now that I'm more more accomplished and you kind of you have to get there to finish it, is the back and forth. And I was thinking it reminded me actually of fencing. <laughs> so fencing mm. something I'd really like to get into 
again, I, I did like two lessons of fencing once and you learn how to do all the parries and stuff. Mm. And when you have a good, I think of it as a rally with someone, they attack you, you parry, you attack them, they parry. And then you have you also have these parries that kind of go on top of each other too. So they can do, they can parry like your parry. So they actually will move their whole sword around yours. And it can you can end up kind of just like, um, you know, continuously parrying each other. And it's hmm. got that back and forth feel similar to like Prince of Persia for people who play that, mm-hmm. where you have this back and forth. And that happens in Bayonetta as well. Um, especially when you're fighting like a fast character that's similar to the Bayonetta character. Yeah, the Lumen Sages or, yeah. or John or... Yeah. yeah. And so when they attack, you'll, you can dodge them and then maybe get like two hits in, but then they attack you again. Yeah, and which then, time's not so much a factor when you're fighting those guys. Right. Whereas the normal enemies that you're fighting, when, when you dodge an attack, you go into witch time for mm. maybe five... 10 seconds and you can just lay waste to them yeah um whereas like you're saying that the more the characters that are more around the bayonetta level you get maybe two attacks in and then you're out of which time and they're attacking you so yeah and poking kind of comes into it as well Hmm. so you can you kind of will like dodge and just poke and then dodge again and poke Hmm. some more and Hmm. Um, I guess that's where I forget what the technique's called now, but it's the one that lets you continue your um, combo, or not combo, but your your flurry of hits um, while dodging. So it's got a special name to it, but basically, you know, when you hold down your attack and then you'll fire your gun at the end mm-hmm. of the attack. Mm-hmm. If you then press the dodge button while you're holding your attack button. Um, you can continue that, like, move set. So this is how you would do a really long move set with a big hit at the end while you also have to dodge their hit. So you can... Mm. You have to learn how to do it properly, but you might go, like, um, you know, punch, 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 but then hold down the third one because their attack is coming. And then while you're holding down the third one and she's shooting the gun, then the enemy's attack comes, you press the dodge button and then you can continue to press punch and you'll continue from that third one so you'll get, like, the fourth punch, the fifth yeah, punch. Right. Um, yeah, so that's, like, one of the more advanced techniques and I mm-hmm. haven't haven't at all mastered it yet because it's so hard to do yeah. while you're in the middle of concentrating on what you're doing. Um, but yeah. if you can get it down, you end up doing a lot more damage and I think your combo will go up a lot faster. Mm. Um, There's a lot of depth to the yeah. combat. There's also, um, there actually is a parry. It's, it's oh, one of yeah, the special so accessories. I haven't done that yet. You're not, you're not dodging, you're not going into witch time, you're actually pressing on, maybe it's, I think maybe you've got a two or five frame window or something like yeah. that, just as they attack and then you push them back and then you can keep going with your attacks. Yep. And that's really, really hard. I mean, I finished every single thing you can finish in the first Bayonetta game. Like, it was the Xbox 360 version and, you know, got all of the achievements. Yep. Collected everything that you collect. But I never got to that level of being able to do that parry yep. on a consistent basis. Right. To the, to the point where it's, it wasn't effective for me to use them. Yeah. Because it was just too hard. Yeah. But if you can get to that level, you could just destroy that game. Mm. Yeah. 
So there's a lot of depth to the combat. Yeah, it's definitely. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't, and I haven't even really got very far into learning different combos and how to maximize damage and stuff. I pretty much learnt like the easiest combos to get one of the big. Um, I forget what they're called, the witch hits or mm. where I she know, uses yeah. her hair power. Yeah. <laughs> like the easiest one is just punch, kick, punch, um, which is a three hit, which ends up in a punch that's a, like a witch power punch. Mm. Uh, and that does a lot of damage and it's good for fighting bosses and stuff. Mm. Um, and there's another one that's punch, punch, kick, punch, I think. <laughs> and those all change depending on what weapon you've got yeah. as well. And there's a yeah. heap of weapons. Yep. There's whips, there's hammers, there's bazookas, lasers, <laughs> all sorts lasers. of stuff. Swords. Oh, I never yeah. got to there. Yeah, yeah. So this is why I think, yeah, you have to go back and play it more than once because mm. you've got to collect the records to get more weapons. Yep. So the records are like, like you know, CDs or not CDs, they're vinyl records yeah. that you find and you take them back to the shop and the guy at the shop will go and use them to create a weapon, long story short, mm. create a weapon. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's I think costumes based on the weapons and there's there's alts to the weapons so you spend even more money in the shop to enable you to equip that weapon to both your hands and feet as opposed to right. just maybe your hands yep. or your feet. Right. So there's just so many combinations of things you can do. Yep. That's a cool game. Yeah. And it looks beautiful and it's mm. fun and silly. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, it's kind of cool that we're both going through Bayonetta 2 at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you can even play it online, like co-op. But I think because we're on different consoles, we probably can't. Mm. I don't think it's got cross-play. Mm. Just another reason for you to buy a Switch and not a reason for me to buy any other console. <laughs> well, like I said, I'll buy a Switch when Bayonetta 3 comes out. Okay. We should move on to our last bit mm-hmm. so Matt can go home and die in his bed. Yep. Don't die in your bed. <laughs> yeah, don't die in your bed. I don't mean that literally. <laughs> I mean can, that in a good way. Can I have a fisherman's friend? Yes, you can. Put a fisherman's friend in your That's mouth. Our last bit. Mm-hmm. We're doing another battle. Mm-hmm. And the battlefield for this month is 1989. Yep. The place... No. <laughs> in honour of the place? Uh, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. In namesake. So the Battle of 1989, we will choose three each games that we believe are the best games released in 1989. This covers everything. Mm. Pinball as well, if we decide. Yep. Um, and then similar to like we did with Battle of the Beat-em-ups, the next episode we'll get together and we'll start ranking them. Mm. And decide what the best game was released in 1989. Yep. So we're going to all go away and 
replay and revisit all these games as much as we can. Yeah, there might be technical barriers and as in if they're like on that. PC, Mark can't play it. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> so if it gets to that point, I mean, we can watch a YouTube video, yeah. a long play, or whatever you call it, a let's play. Mm-hmm. And, but to the as much extent as we can, we'll try and give them a play. Yep. So we've each chosen three games from 1989. Perhaps we'll just go around the table, uh, starting at one and then two and then three, until we've done the nine, mm-hmm. and then we'll call it a day and come back and rank them next podcast. Yep, sounds good. So my first one, Final Fight. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Final Fight, Capcom in the arcade. I don't think I need to say any more about Final Fight. I actually wrote this on the list for Mark because I knew he would choose it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good game. Matt. Mm-hmm. Me. Yes. Um, the first one I put is Street Rod for Commodore 64. I have never even heard of this game. So that's part of why I put it here because before we started recording, John said something like, oh, it's an opportunity to show people games that they've never played oh yeah mm-hmm. and I knew this was I had a short list of six games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this was one I kind of knew no one else had played mm-hmm. cool. and it may be good or maybe bad I don't remember <laughs> honestly <laughs> again going back to our thing I mean you could go back to this game and decide oh yeah I've just destroyed my own you know fantasies about this game yeah but so but you remember enjoying playing it yes and actually the other in particular memory is that see in my family i'm the one that played all the video games <laughs> but occasionally everybody else would be playing as well and yeah. this is one of the other game, one of the games that my, all my siblings were also playing yeah is, right is it a multiplayer game or is no, it just so actually it's should explain right yeah it's basically drag racing okay um it's set in you know 60s, I guess, mm-hmm. 60s, like it's like Greece or Happy Days or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you just drag race other people mm-hmm. and earn money and upgrade your car and mm-hmm. huh. yeah, yeah. I'd be keen to re- well, I was going to say revisit. I'd be keen to visit this mm-hmm. and see whether I actually have played it because I'd be surprised if I haven't played it before. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah, your number one, John. My first one is The Revenge of Shinobi. Eh, that's not a bad choice. <laughs> that's a good game. Yeah, so this is one that I uh, had on... Well, I've recently acquired again on the Sega Classics Collection on Mega CD. Hmm. So this is the only reason I had it back in the day. Hmm. And I played it again recently, and it's supposedly... Well, supposed to be a quite difficult game. And I got up to the boss in the... I think it's the second level. And I, not that I tried that long, but it seems pretty hard. <laughs> hmm. And I don't. Th- I definitely wouldn't have ever beaten the boss when I was a kid. And I don't think I even ever got to the boss. Or I might have got to it and died immediately. Hmm. So as a kid, that's as far as I've ever gotten in this game. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes this time. I think I'll have to watch a video to see how you're supposed to beat this guy. Right. I think you have to jump over him and then stab him in the back and keep doing that. But right. it's quite hard because he's got a big sword. He's like a samurai and he swings oh, down the and the yeah, sword yeah. goes like in an arc, yep. arc. And you have just enough space to jump over without getting hit. 
but it's not easy to do. Mm. So, yeah, Revenge of Shinobi. Cool. Mm. I'm keen to revisit that one too. I'm pretty sure I did finish that back in the day. It's a, it's So in the Wikipedia article, it said that it was criticised for the last boss being too difficult. Mm. <laughs> a game with a great soundtrack, by the yeah, way. Yeah, awesome music. Mm. So that's one of the things I remember from childhood, just the music being really good. Mm. Yeah. Despite the broad-sounding scope of the intro to the podcast and this segment, the Battle of 1989 has netted us nine video games. Let's see if I can give it a bit of a broader perspective. Not even a single pinball machine on the list. Thought Mark might come up with one. Let me suggest Elvira and the Party Monsters. First in the trilogy of Elvira-themed pinball machines, podcaster Mark owns the second one and has been keeping us informed on the development of the third. It's enjoyable, though a little tough, but Mark and I would agree that the sequel, Scared Stiff, is an improvement on the first. High hopes for the third. The back glass image features Elvira featuring her two most notable features. So for the faint-hearted owner, a back glass modesty decal was provided, which I choose to call the decalitage for the potential amusement of listeners who enjoyed large word puns. The decalitage looks like the front of some lacy panties, so I'm not sure how much it tones down the sexy. This one can feasibly be experienced by listeners, as Zeeble has one sighted at the Royal Sheaf Hotel in Burwood. Uh, my second one is Might and Magic 2 Gates to Another World on the Commodore 64. Is this an RPG? This is an RPG, a Western <laughs> RPG. Uh-huh. And there were very little RPGs that I liked, but this was one that I really fell in love with. Hmm. And I, to be honest, can't recall what I like about the game, Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of keen to revisit it. Mm -hmm. I might have to watch a video of this because I don't think I'll have time to play through an RPG. Yeah, it'll be impenetrable, (laughs) for lack of a better word. Okay. Matt played and finished all the games in the Battle of the Beat-em-up you're not going to be playing and finishing all these games. <laughs> yeah, this is a lot Especially less Might and Magic 2. Yeah. Well, the, our beat-em-up list was mostly arcade, which helped a lot. Yep. Mm. And, the, yeah, it's not happening now. No. <laughs> and my memories of Might and Magic 2 is that it's massive. But, you know, you, you're young at the time, so everything seems yeah. really big and yeah. vast. But I'm pretty sure it is a pretty big game. What's it on again, sorry? Commodore 64. Oh, okay. Yes. I could also mention it's on the Mega Drive. Okay. That will be more approachable because at least you're not dealing with stupid load times, media errors, yep. um, horrible frame rate, slowdown. So the Mega Drive version would be a probably a better thing to play, but at the same time, is that cheating? Because that what? wasn't released in 1989. Uh, so it was 91, I think. Can't, can't abide this. No. <laughs> so that's what I mean. My two picks underneath Final Fight are probably going to be impenetrable, mm-hmm. but whatever. Well, I'd definitely like to at least try and start the game, but I'll probably watch a video for the sake of seeing more of it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I can watch videos while doing other things, like taking a crap. Indeed. <laughs> Thanks for that image. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to... No. Speaking um, of number two. Mm. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was pretty good. <laughs> you're sick, but you're still on fire. 
my number two was SimCity. C sixty four. Actually, I think uh, from what I was reading, they're all from nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, I believe so. So, which one are you picking? We we all. I think with a game like this, I think with a game like this, it's like I could see how the Mega Drive versus C sixty four version of Might and Magic would be not exactly the same. Hmm. But with SimCity, I'm pretty sure it's basically the same game no matter mm. what you play it on i should mention probably not that snes one right i doubt that's 1989 but the but between pc dos but in terms commodore, of commodore whatever to whatever what it's probably apple and mm. like, amiga yeah mm. so which one are you picking um i played the c64 yeah i played the c64 he wants to pick pc but he yeah, knows is that going to be a problem <laughs> no pc's fine you got you got to choose on the one that you well, but, this is the thing. I mean, people aren't going to play Might and Magic 2 on the C64. Maybe you will. John won't. What about on an emulator? Yeah, it's fine. Mm. But I know SimCity anyway. Mm. So if you choose PC, it's not a problem. Um, yeah, that one, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but are they really... They can't be that much different. Probably it, just the controls. I guess the... Yeah. the it's... I assume the DOS one has mouse support. Ah, okay. so it's probably a bit nicer to play yeah. that way. And frame rate again. Is there DOS box on Mac? Surely there is. Yeah, but again, I mean, how well is that going to run on this oh, MacBook Air? Come on. It's so it's a game old. From so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a try just for you guys. Okay. And the readers. Mainly for the readers, not really for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Your number two, John. My number two is Rambo 3. On Mega Drive. Uh. <laughs> you don't seem impressed. No, I'm not sure I remember. I remember the arcade game. It's a top-down game. Um, so it's basically... I think it's very similar to something else that escapes my memory right now. But, yeah, it's just top-down, walking around. Top-down, walking around. Yeah, you've got That's a... a good genre. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fight and go right. <laughs> top-down, walking around. Not just right, but in all directions. You have a machine gun. He's got, like, his bow with the explosive arrow. Mm-hmm. And the first level's, like, in the desert somewhere. And there's guys that come from all around you. And you shoot them with your machine gun. And then there's, like, towers. And mm-hmm. you have to use your bow to shoot those. And then you get to the end of the level. I think you fight a tank. But then there's, like, a kind of a third-person view um, shooting game at Is the end. Is that where you're running? No, you're not running. No. You're just in like a stationary, like defensive position, but you're okay. using your bow to shoot tanks and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I must have played this back in the day, but I, mm. I'm I'm remembering too much. The one, the arcade machine, mm. and then B, the Commodore 64 version. <laughs> I'm, I'm not remembering the Mega Drive one. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I I so I don't think I ever owned it, but I'm pretty sure Ooh. I hired it a bunch of times, and I remember it being fun, hmm. and I'd like to play it again, and I'm going to make you guys play it too. <laughs> well, fine. I think it's fun. I think it's a fun game. Turning Point Stalingrad, a board game, surprise, surprise, dealing with the six-month Nazi siege of Stalingrad in 1942 to 43. 
It really was a turning point in World War II, marking the halt to expansion in the Russian campaign, with the killing or capture of the entire German 6th Army. The third of four Avalon Hill titles in their Area Impulse system, which is still used today by game designers long after Avalon Hill's shut-up shop. Rather than overlaying a regular hex grid on the map, it's divided into irregular shaped areas containing a single type of terrain in an amount that can be traversed in the same time as the other areas, i.e. rough terrain is cut into smaller pieces. A very nice medium complexity two-player wargame system, hence its continued use. Stalingrad was the first area impulse title to incorporate supply lines. My number three. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the most impenetrable of all. What? You think an RPG, a sprawling RPG on the (laughs) Commodore 64 is impenetrable? Test Drive 2 The Duel on Commodore 64? I don't think it's playable anymore. Why? Why? It's basically one frame a second. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. That, that's why... Okay. Yeah. But why, <laughs> why, if it's so bad, why is it so good? Because it's an awesome uh, open road driving game. It was, okay. the, it was the game that introduced me to that genre, which I've loved ever since. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not into racing games. I'm not into simulation racing games or not into games where you're racing around a track Mm -hmm. but sort of open road traffic Mm -hmm. on the road as well like random traffic i love that as well outrun burnout paradise anything that's got road rash Mm -hmm. you know you're cresting over a hill and you have to overtake some dude on the left Mm -hmm. and you're balls to the wall going over this hill is some guy going to come in the right lane and just wipe me out Mm. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. And Test Drive 2 was my first introduction to that, and it's, it's fantastic. So even at one frame a second, <laughs> back then it was amazing. Now it's unplayable. <laughs> there is a Mega Drive version. Yeah, there's, there's others. Yeah. I, I think Amiga is a better frame rate. Yeah, it'd have to be. Yeah. And, and again, the Mega Drive version, that's really good. Okay. I Same game, more frames. Mm. Um. But are we yeah. limiting? So this this is specifically Commodore sixty four. Yeah, because it was nineteen eighty nine, oh. whereas yeah. the Mega Drive one was either a year or two later. Oh. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> completely impenetrable. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Okay. Yep. Because that's what this is all about. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So three here is Turtles Arcade. Teenage Mutant Ninja Wait, Turtles. Wait, what? Teenage Mutant Isn't that what I Ninja read? Turtles. Why did you put that game? Because it's a good game. It's decent. I, I was close to putting I know that it game. didn't get into the beat-em-ups list, mm. but uh, it's good enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. It was close to getting into my three. There was one other game that could edge it out. But <sighs> Maybe we can play it tonight. Oh, yeah. yeah that way right. I won't have to spend any more time on it. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it's a it's a good game. Okay, definitely. Maybe you can give me a rationale as now? we play it. No. Oh, okay. No, no, no. As we play it, mm. it was between this and another beat 'em up, actually. Oh, well, what was the other one? Golden Axe. Yeah, uh. I think Golden Axe is better. Really? But, um, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I struggled to pick one, no. but I think this is. So I did play Golden Axe uh, because it's on the Sega Classics Collection. It's 
mega CD disc as well. And yeah, it's it's good, but I did have a moment where there was enemies either side of me. You have no like emergency knock away move like in Final Fight. Hmm. And they just stood there just and the noises are so funny. It's like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they just kept wailing on, my, on me, and I never fell over, and I just died. Hmm. Like, from not full life, but almost full life. Hmm. And I was just there like, I can't do anything. <laughs> Wait, are we talking about Turtles? I'm talking about Golden Axe. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a reason why Golden Axe is a worse game than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You well, just made the case. That was, I would say that that was, like, the one sort of game-breaking mechanic. Hmm. But, uh, yeah. I mean, does that happen in Turtles? I don't know. I, ha- no. I haven't played uh, it in a long time. No. Okay. Uh, no. You, I mean, <laughs> you're a bit more nimble in Turtles, I think. Yeah. So. You never seem to get trapped. Mm. And you, you can, can only take... You kick out of the way. If you, if you think you're getting surrounded, you can clear yourself out. Not. Yep. And you can yeah. only take three hits before you're knocked over anyway. Mm. Is there a special move? Yep. Like a emergency mm, knock away? No. You, it's, it, you got the... Both buttons move. Yeah. It's, it's just the king hit in front okay. of you, though. Yeah. Right. It's not an escape move. Yep. Okay. Does that take do like does that take damage from your life or something? No, or? no you can do that as much as just you like. Just like a move you yep. can do. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Ah, oh, shall I say my number three? Please say your number three. My number three is R-Type 2. This is a very interesting choice. Why? Which, which platform is this? Oh, I didn't really specify, but I guess Mega Drive. Okay. All my games. It wasn't Mega on Drive. the Mega Drive, wasn't it? No. Arcade. Whoa. Arcade. On the arcade. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to check what when what was released You're not when. Thinking of Super R Type on the Super Nintendo. Uh, I'll have to look it up. I just was looking at a list of games from that year, and I saw mm. R Type Two, and I was like, yeah. Because R Type Two, I believe, was only on the arcade. There was no home ports. Oh. There might be exceptions to that, to weird systems like PC Engine or... It's on Game Boy. XE6800 or whatever the hell it was called. So initial release was 1989, which would have been arcade, mm. I suppose. Mm. Uh, it's on Amiga, Atari, Game Boy, PlayStation, and Android. That's so funny. I, I don't know how people can play games like that on, no, on phones. Not, not Twitch shooters. With your bloody th- thumb in the way, you can't yeah. see anything. No. Yeah. So, okay. R-Type on Arcade. R-Type 2. R-Type 2 on Arcade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good game. Yeah. So, do you think it's not as good as the first one? Nowhere near as good as the first oh. one. The first one is amazing. The best shooter ever made. Spoilers for if we ever do a battle of the shoot-em-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's some close contenders. What Do you know what year it would have been, the first one? Oh, I decided it was a second. 88? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Cool. That was a guess, but yeah, something like that. Excellent. That's our nine games. Should we run through it again? Final Fight, Might and Magic 2, Test Drive 2, Revenge of Shinobi, Rambo 3, R-Type 2, Street Rod, SimCity, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Such a diverse list. Yeah. I think that's that's one of the things oh. I like about doing a, a year battle, a battle based on a year, mm. is because, yeah, we do get a diverse list. Mm. I think well, 
I should mention, I mean, there's a lot of games that are like cult classics that we haven't chosen. And part of that is because I think I didn't play them back in the day. And yeah. things like Earthbound, which was 1989, and Zelda, which is surprisingly 1989. Mm. I didn't play them, so I that's why I haven't chosen them. Mm-hmm. Um, my My choices are purely based on my memory of how much fun I had with those games. <laughs> mm. So, I actually pulled out a pretty large list, even though it surprised me how few games in 1989 really sort of struck me. Mm-hmm. I, I thought 1989 would be a sweet spot for gaming and there'd be a shitload of really amazing games. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't really. But I had things like um, Barbarian on the Commodore 64... Uh, Kadash on the arcade, which is one of the games that I almost squeaked into my three, <laughs> which is a platformer RPG sort of thing. Castlevania three, uh, Strider, mm-hmm. Tail de Nose, also known as Super Formula, on the arcade. Mm-hmm. Wonder Boy three, Dragon's Trap, Ghouls and Ghosts on the Mega Drive and Commodore sixty four, Cyberdyne Warrior on the Commodore sixty four. Um, if we were doing worse games of 1989, <laughs> there's Double Dragon and Dragon Ninja on the Commodore 64. <laughs> Pretty much the worst games ever made. That's another question. You know, do we count things that were ported to a system in that year? Yeah, I, I think, think those should uh, be disqualified because they're not really the original. Like yeah. yeah, I think you're right. But there's no point reviewing a game just because it happened to be ported in that year. Hmm. You know, yeah, that's fair. I think that the original should really be the bar for that game. Yep. Unless there's some major reworking on it. Which is why probably for our type, it should be the arcade version anyway. So, yeah. Because mm. it's really an arcade game. GURPS 3rd Edition Basic Set plus GURPS Magic. Standing for Generic Universal Role-Playing System, it's a pen and paper, face-to-face, dice-chucking role-player from Steve Jackson Games. Makers of Munchkin, Ogre, Car Wars, Illuminati, etc, etc. It's a slight fudge by me, because technically 3rd edition was released in 1988, but 1989 was when it blew the doors off with three additional print runs in that year, and the release of GURPS Magic, which was the first in the avalanche of supplements that gives GURPS its genre versatility. Editions 1 and 2 hardly count, as they were like alpha and beta releases, each only persisting for a year. Third edition locked it in with little change for 16 years. Even when the fourth edition arrived in 2004, it was mainly a reorganisation and reformat of three. Pretty colour pictures, etc. With any rule changes, mostly fine-tuning. The core rules of GURPS allow for the creation of a basic personal creature. You then use the supplements of your preferred genre to put you in the world you want. Fantasy-style dungeon diver, a quest to destroy some item of evil jewellery. Or maybe some swashbuckling or gunslinging. Be a spy or a mercenary in something like our contemporary world. Or you may want to fight off a zombie apocalypse or a vampire insurgency. Be a superhero or step into the future to explore the vastness of space. Or just survive our robot overlords. The beauty of GURPS is the core rules remain the same no matter what you're doing. Coincidentally, I just picked up a recent GURPS release, which will be getting a mention on the forum. No one mentioned Streets of Rage. Which one? The was first one. Is it yeah, the first I, one? Uh, I wasn't keen on the first one too much. I liked it. 
I mean, it's not as quality as pretty the much. The second one is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, something else I noticed just going back to remake, Streets of Rage remake, it's much faster too. Oh, so is it? another reason for you to play it. Yeah, mm. it's way faster. Mm. Um, yep. All right. What? So, my my the rest of my short list. Yes, <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, we should do sort of honourable mentions, which I just did, so you guys can. Yeah, I did. Well, so you heard I about did. Golden Axe. The other stuff is all racing games. Which when I f- when I did a first pass through things released in this year, it was all racing games. Mm. So I thought, oh, wow, is this a thing? I don't know. You're not a racing game guy. I think a long time ago, in the Commodore sixty four era, I probably played a lot of simulations, hmm. flat sims, and oh, yeah. probably racing was a bit. Apache, yeah, F fifteen Strike Eagle. Uh, I didn't oh yeah, that, gunship. But, sorry. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so th- I mean, this doesn't count as much anyway. But Super Off Road. Oh, uh, yeah. Arcade. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Is that the one where you, you're looking down and yeah. you're driving around yeah. and the trucks around the dirt truck? Right. Yeah. Looking down, driving around. <laughs> Genre. It's that other genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buying upgrades in the store. Yep. And the other was Indy 500 for PC. Now, this, yeah. I when I saw this, I thought there's no way this was in the same era as all these other games because it's a 3D racing game, Indianapolis 500. It's mm. basically on the track. You mm. know, it's a global track, but it's a pretty much a 3D game. It's, it's old enough to not be on a 3D accelerator. Mm. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you drive around. It's you know, it's got replays. You have you know, you crash your car and it shows all <laughs> carnage and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's be quite good. But mm. I haven't played that. I I'm shocked that it was in. What was it on? on PC. PC. Yeah. Okay. Right. Any other honourable mentions? No, I'll do. Okay. John, <laughs> you got any other honourable? No, mentions? well, I mean, those were. Yeah, I pretty much did my honourable mentions, but I should say if. For people who are wondering, or, or on the on the subject of Earthbound, if you're wondering about that game, you should watch the most recent Angry Video Game Nerd video on it because it's very good mm. and explains why people love that game and why it's rare and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of, yeah, just the, the quality of video, um, it's very good. Like in terms of reporting... You know, so that people understand why hmm. um, it's really worth watching. Yeah, I might have to check it out. I've always wondered why people love it so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thanks for listening to Game the System Podcast. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is on Game the System forums at gamethesystem.co. You can also reach out to us via email at feedback at gamethesystem.co. You can reach me on Twitter at, at, at marks underscore tweet. That's M-A-R-C-S underscore tweet. John and Matt are Huego and BSS on the forums. Please rate us on iTunes in the podcast app when you're listening to the episode. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and click on more episodes. Scroll, Scroll all the way down to the bottom of that and you'll see ratings and reviews and a bunch of stars. You can click on five if you like. But, you know, that's up to you. Any rating is good. Mm-hmm. And lastly, thank you to our sponsor, 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen. 
Check out 1989 for classic arcade games, great beer and great food. We might actually be hitting that place tonight, John and I. Mm -hmm. And we will find 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen at 22 King Street, Newtown. And you can visit them on the web at 1989.com.au. And that is us. Thank you very much. Matt's going to go off and die. We're going to go off and drink some beers. You're probably not so much because you're driving. But we'll play games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.